And welcome everybody to the Dan and Aldo Bear Your So Bear Their So Show. Uh, Johnny Santucci will join us in about an hour or so. Dan Aguirre is here. I am here, and I know everybody hates it when we talk about social issues and stuff like that. But I I am sorry. I have to start the show with getting a couple of things off my chest because, frankly, I am just so fucking over all of this bullshit that is happening with our country and these mass shootings. I mean, that's not all uh, the coup attempt. And I think the uh, committee is proving that this was an actual coup attempt by the former president. But we'll see as more revelations unravel. But right now, my, the thing that is weighing heavily on my chest is what happened in Highland Park, what happened in Philadelphia, what's been happening in neighborhoods throughout Chicago and in many parts of the United States for years and years and years. It is the proliferation of guns is behind the easy availability of guns is behind these shootings. And in Illinois, we've got a red flag law that was not followed by the fucking government, by police officers. In fact, most citizens and police officers don't even know that the law exists. And so this kid who threatened his family, he had a bunch of knives and he threatened them back a, a, about a year ago. And then a year and a half ago, he a, apparently told everyone he was going to commit suicide. Apparently, he was then allowed a year later to, to buy guns, to buy these weapons of mass destruction. So there, this has to be a priority, but I'm not saying that it should be a priority just for politicians. I'm asking, I'm pleading with everyone. Please make it your priority too. do the research on sensible solutions for this problem. Contact your congressperson. Do whatever you can, because it is we the fucking people. It is we the people that have to step up because our politicians and our organizations are failing us. So we need to hold them accountable. And we need to figure out ways to do that and to do it collectively and together. We all have different solutions and ideas of how, how to control this problem. John expressed his a few weeks ago, and I vehemently disagree with the way he would like to address this. But nonetheless, he cares, and let's do research, and let's work together to find solutions that we can all agree on and hold people accountable. That's all I'll say on it. Dan, if you want to comment on this or anything else, please feel free. You know, well, you almost could just play Steve Kerr's audio from the last time that this right. was brought up on his press conference, and it could poignantly depict what happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just another day in America, you know? Um, full disclosure, everyone knows I'm on the left, but I'm not anti-gun. And I, well, I didn't want to get involved in that discussion last time because it's uncomfortable for everyone. As you know, it's uncomfortable for you. It's uncomfortable for him. But it's hard. To, it's far, I mean, I'm not just saying this because, you know, I'm not placating you. But considering that this was 10 miles from your house. Yeah. I mean, not that you didn't ignore the others anyway. I mean, you were talking about this. You were fired up about it. It didn't have to be in your backyard. It could have been in fucking Bangor, Maine. And you would have been like, you know, passion, passionately trying to get your viewpoint across. But the fact that it's in your backyard literally could have affected your loved ones on Independence Day, no less. I mean, I understand uh, the reason you wanted to, to discuss it now more than ever is what mm -hmm. I'm saying.
Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, this really hit close to home. I've been to Highland Park a number of times. I've had lunch and dinner there. It's a tony, cozy little town. Uh, it's it's just a, a great little – and I, I did some research. The last time there was a murder in Highland Park, Illinois, was in 2000, and I think it was six. Three murders in that one year. Since then, zero, 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 zero. It's not the type of place you would expect something like this to happen. But guess what? This is the reality we live in. There's no you can't hide anymore. There's there's no way around it. And so I'm afraid that the next time it's going to be even worse and it's going to impact people that I love, people that I know. And so we got to do something. We got to protect our kids. My daughter's about to have a baby. I don't want that baby Jackson Ray to grow up in a world where he has to be afraid of gunfire. You know, I traveled to Egypt in the late uh, a year or two after the assassination of Anwar Sadat. And when I landed in the Cairo airport, there were armed military people at everywhere. There were more armed military people than than any any uh, than there were civilians. And then when I got into Cairo in residential neighborhoods, there were armed police officers walking up and down the street. Now, whether that was because of the assassination attempt or because the country was in high alert, but that was the country that that it, that uh, existed at the time. It probably is the same way now. I don't want America to be that way. I don't want to look out the window and there's an armed guy with a machine gun working for law enforcement because everybody else is carrying a gun. And the argument that you should, you know, you should have a gun too to protect yourself. Well, what happens if I'm at the Highland Park uh, parade yesterday? I take, I see the shooter. I take out my gun. The cops probably think I'm the shooter and I'm dead at the hands of the police. Or maybe you panic and accidentally kill others. Because, you know, you're not trained like a police officer or someone in the military. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But if everyone has guns, the, the again, the rate of proficiency with that individual is going to vary. Mm-hmm. So now you're putting an emotion to it as well because others are being shot. And that just it just seems like that could exacerbate the situation so much worse mm-hmm. if unskilled people are suddenly firing a weapon as well. You know, hell... Like yesterday, you saw that the poor guy in the wheelchair get shot and children. It's just, it's a fucking nightmare. But if everybody else is armed too, it just seems like it's going to turn the temperature up significantly. I'll tell you one thing, uh, Dan, one of the reasons I don't own a gun, uh, and I'm not, you know, afraid to admit that I don't own a gun is because with my fucking temper, you know, I'll go to fucking McDonald's and shoot the guy who fucked up my order. <laughs> <laughs> you said what? <laughs> no, I, what I'm trying to say is just I, I, I'm not I'm not good at handling knives. You know, when, my, when I'm cooking in the kitchen, I'm cutting up a tomato or something. My wife takes a knife away from me. I don't trust you with this thing. And, and it's the same thing with a weapon. I'm afraid that I might accidentally discharge it. I might get angry and do something stupid. I don't want any part of that. I want the... My tax dollars, I pay a lot of fucking taxes. I want that for security to, right. to, to, to protect my neighborhood, to protect my, my, my property, to protect my loved ones. Speaking of loved ones, <laughs> there is Johnny Santucci. Let me put him up on our three-way split, ladies and gentlemen. No, let's not do it that way. Let's do it this way. We move him there, and there you are, John. How are you, man? 
I can't hear you. Are you muted? I can't hear him. He's muted. Uh, I still can't hear him. You muted it again. It won't go off. There we go. Okay. <laughs> you made one great point. Is like if you pull out your gun, the police might think that you're the shooter, which is another. Hey, look at me. I look like a fucking maniac. <laughs> I mean, look the the uh, the, the the thing that this kid was nuts. Yeah. How did he get a gun? You know, there's lots of warning signs. You know, uh, uh, people who knew him in high school and, and uh, wherever online or something plenty of warning signs i mean the uh the thing that that strikes me is that uh 1963 we had a president assassinated we beefed up presidential security mm-hmm. uh 9-11 we had uh planes hijacked we beefed up uh airline security and mm-hmm. everybody knows you, you fly in a plane there's massive security uh School shootings, we don't do anything. I don't get it. You know, uh, my, I just got a, an email from uh, the, the, the elementary school where my daughter goes, and mm-hmm. they're going to be doing drills, not, you know, to, not to be alarmed when you see police doing drills at the school over the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at the school, like I think I mentioned before, there's, there's double security doors. You, you buzz, you're outside, you're buzzed in, and then you've got to sit in a vestibule where you have to be uh, buzzed in a second time after you're cleared. And I don't know why they don't do that in all schools, you know, or if they do, I, I don't know, but uh, we, we should, we, we're, we're putting plenty of officers around the president or whatever politicians, plenty of, plenty of security around uh, airports and airplanes, even on the planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to, to beef up security with schools. You know, we can't obviously you can't beef up security at these outdoor events, but you can sure have police nearby at all of them. And I, I, I'm not, I think people should have to pass a psycho- psychological evaluation to get a gun, in my Thank honest you. opinion. Thank you. They yeah, I mean, you, you cannot fool that test. Yes. You can't fool the test. Okay. You, it's going to pick up, pick up uh, uh, any kind of uh, psychopathic deviance. That's what those questions are designed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you should have to pass that thing, you know, and however long it takes, you know, to decide whether someone is safe. You should have mandatory firearm training. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all these are, are, are sensible solutions. Totally sensible, John. I'm with you, you know? there. What do you, uh, uh, Dan, what do you think about what Travis says? It's not a gun problem. It's a society problem. 40 years uh-huh. ago, guns were way easier to obtain, and we didn't have yeah. these issues. Society has lost its with values and morals. What do you yep. think, I, I can't, I mean, I was a kid 40 years ago, so it's hard for me to compare the zeitgeist of each culture during the early Reagan days with now. Suffice to say, I feel like maybe Tooch was onto something there. If it's a privilege to drive your car, mm-hmm. if it's a privilege to vote and not a right, because if you go out and fuck up and you're a felon, you're not supposed to be able to vote. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to have a gun if you're a felon. So with that standard, then maybe owning the gun, even for the regular individual, maybe that should be a privilege versus a right. Not saying that you should get rid of the second amendment. Everyone Republicans lose their mind, but I'm just saying like the testing is a good idea. And I thought 
when I was a kid that we were onto that after the Reagan assassination, because, you know, a couple of years later, I was too young to know what was happening then, but I heard about James Brady being paralyzed. And then there, there was a movie where Bo Bridges played him and, you know, then the Brady bill and, you know, you're supposed to have to wait seven days for, uh, you know, um, a handgun and, and things like that. But it seems like we got so far away from that and I'm not trying to make it political, but the NRA does make it political that they buy out the one party. I mean, and that's, that's not me just being a dick. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, and ironically that when the two parties come together and make some form of a gun deal, it was like the same day, the Supreme court shit on it mm-hmm. and said, well, New York's thing, uh, you, you know, it's okay for everyone to have guns in New York in public, even though the state didn't want that. The people didn't want that. The city didn't want that. So to me, it's a culture uh, that I can't necessarily speak for in 1981, 1982. But again, you had a president shot then. And that fucker's out now, John Hinckley, which is just crazy to me. He's trying to book gigs and play guitar. <laughs> but it's like, you know, a regular, you can shoot a regular person and, and go to jail the rest of your life, but you try to kill the president for Jody Foster? Fuck it, let him out. <laughs> it's yeah. bizarre. But anyway, what I was trying to say, though, is that it feels like today's culture is so like identified with like guns and rights and freedom and testosterone, baby. It just feels like the one side wants to arm itself up to the teeth. Like they're going to fucking war. There's plenty of people on the left that like guns too, man. That's just not true. Uh, the thing, the thing that uh, Travis, I think is more is uh, he hit on something is that uh, our society glorifies violence in movies. You know, people become desensitized. They play violent video games like this kid. You know, they're in this virtual reality world where, you know, killing becomes uh, uh, no big deal in a fantasy world. And then, you know, it's well, one, you know, but one, that, one step from translating fantasy to reality with these people. One thing I really have to argue my point on, though, you, you can't say that's equal. The NRA buys off the right wingers, not the left wingers. That's a fact. The, the right wing politicians are the ones that the NRA goes after. Right. With, but, with some exceptions, there are a, a, month, a number of Democrats who are in uh, in the pockets of the NRA. There's no doubt about that. Right. The, the, the NRA, uh, they don't wield as much influence as they used to. Let's just be honest. Oh, I don't I know mean, about that. Dude, to do with. The banks, banks and pharmaceuticals and weapons uh, 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 defense contractor hold wield way more influence. You got you're onto something with pharmaceuticals. There just was a case yesterday. And I forget which state it was in, these but it kids was are on pharmaceuticals. These young right. men. Well, it They're was another Xanax and Prozac. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> the, I forget which state it was yesterday, but the court, of course, sided with the doctors and the pharmaceuticals that knew, that knew that they were writing scripts that were going to get people addicted and were profiting off of it. And every time it goes to court, they side with the fucking the, the pill maker or the doctor, or they just slap a small fine on them, yeah. which looks bad on paper, like, Oh, 6 million. But you know what? They made like 90 million. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a fucking, it's a bandaid. Uh, it's I didn't mean to minimize, uh, minimize the NRA, but the most powerful, uh, uh, in this lim- li- uh, industry is the war industry, the war machine. There's a tremendous profit. It's why we why we went to war under you know false pretenses with weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. It's big business. Halliburton, all these companies, they're billion dollar businesses, and politicians, I guarantee you, are getting some palms greased. 
with the military right. to keep to keep war, the war machine rolling. It's disgusting. Here's a, a point that I'd like to make that's related to what Travis said. You know, the, the Brady Bill, um, be, before the Brady Bill, it was much easier to obtain weapons. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the Brady Bill basically, you know, imposed a five-day waiting limit on the purchase of guns. And that, that's been changed because it was challenged in the courts. And now there's a waiting period, but only of a, a few hours or something like that in states that want to do that. So uh, the Brady Bill has been washed down, which now allows for easier access of guns, just like before. But the other important thing, uh, if we're going to just stick with one topic, and that's the topic of mass shootings, we are seeing a one constant with that in terms of the weapon that's being used. It's an automatic rifle. Uh, I know AR doesn't stand for automatic rifle. It's the name it's of the, the semi Semi-automatic. Semi-automatic. It's the mistake that the left always makes is that there's... You know, one one trigger pull, one fire. There's there are you cannot own an automatic weapon that fires just brrr, like a machine gun. Those okay. are illegal. Sure sounded like it yesterday. It's a semi. Yeah. Well, whatever it was, let me get back to my point. Semi-automatic or automatic weapons, whatever it is, these are these are weapons that are made for combat. They first appeared in the 1950s, and the American public had no interest. They were being sold then to the American public. The American public had no interest in it. Hunters were like, why the fuck do I want that? That's just going to destroy the fucking goose that I'm trying to shoot. They had no interest for it. And then what happened was in, during the Vietnam War, the weapon became the weapon of heroes in the Vietnam War. People saw that weapon and started saying, wow. You know, my fucking uh, GIs uh, in, in Vietnam are using that weapon. Maybe I should get one. And so the uh, marketing efforts by companies that sold those weapons was enhanced. And that's when we started to see them more in the hands of people. After the shooting, the mass shooting in Stockton, California, there was then a ban on automatic weapons. It And, and. It, it took about three years after that shooting, but finally there was there was an arrangement made, and even the NRA was a part of the agreement on this. And automatic weapons were 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 disallowed, but because our fucking country, and I love our country, but because it, everything is for profit, again they allowed these manufacturers to start selling these guns when the when the 10-year ban on them or the five-year ban, whatever it was, when that was up for review by Congress, Congress says, ah, let's start selling them again. And you know the gun manufacturers had something to do that with that with political contributions. And so now the weapon is selling more than ever before and easier to get than ever before because some of the laws in the books, like the red flag law in Illinois, isn't even being looked at by citizens and police officers. They're not doing a good job, a particularly the police officers. Yeah, it is a huge problem. You're absolutely right, John. The law is there. It, this should never have happened if this law would have been enacted and if those parents would have called the police and said, hey, my son is acting really fucking strange. Uh, we we need to look into his behavior, and and uh, he he says he wants to kill people and kill himself and so forth. We need to do something, and so that way he would have been prevented from buying five weapons, two automatic rifles, and three handguns. You should you should have to prove you're a good guy. You know, you, you, I otherwise agree. you know I mean I, I, these kids uh, it's always these young young men you know disaffected youth males on 
psychotropic antidepressants playing video games, you know, that uh, with 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 bat, with no parental uh, supervision or involvement that uh, they, they, they it's, it's become almost a, a glorification, a way to get famous, to go on a mass shooting spree. And uh, I, I, I don't understand that that mentality where. Uh, where where uh, they think that they're going to be famous, you know, uh, get their names cemented forever, you know, uh, by 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 performing one of these uh, heinous acts. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Let's put a cap on this. We could talk about this for the entire rest of the show, and it really does deserve this type yeah, of attention. Yeah. But I, guess I, what? I, I'm going I, on vacation. I know. I, I want to get my mind set <laughs> to a different place because I've been bummed out the last 34, 40 hours or so. Can I, can I say one last thing is that uh, I, you, although you and I were born into a world where guns already existed, we didn't create the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the gun genie was already out of the bottle, and I, I'm not sure you can put it back in the bottle. I mean, would it be great to ban weapons all over the world? Every single kind of weapon from a, a caveman's club to a that. nuclear weapon would be great, but utopia doesn't exist. It just right. people, uh, human beings or homo sapiens or Neanderthals have been killing people since the Stone Age, since they first, 2001, the ape, those ape men picked up a club and one bashed another one over the head. You know, mm -hmm. that it, I just... It's it's people that murder, you know. I mean, people got to stop killing each other. That's the thing. No more war, no more uh, mass shootings, no more uh, violence and drug wars in the streets, gang wars in the streets. Uh, and and I think it it, it might come down to in, investing in uh, in in uh, areas of extreme poverty where where people are driven to crime because they have no other choice. You know, we need to we need to invest in these areas and lift people up out of uh, despair. I'm with you, brother. Welcome to Jody. She's in the chat room, I think, for the second show in a row. Jody, I hope you are well. Um, maybe we'll talk about you or to you and uh, <laughs> later the show or, or afterwards. Um, Dan, uh, want to talk about Lovey Smith? Sure. That's quite the transition, but yeah. <laughs> can, can I... Hey, uh, can I say one thing about Lovey Smith before we before uh, I head to the background and do the chat room? The, the Bears, uh, according to odds makers, the Bears will be underdogs the entire season, fifteen out of seventeen games, except against Lovey Smith and against the Lions. Where's Don Burr? Yes, I saw that. <laughs> Anyways, well, fuck I'll, those people. I'll go back to the I'll go back to the chat room. All right, we'll see you in a little while, brother. All right. Before we go to Lovey, I'd like to, to get your comments on what Sanjin Jovanovic was saying. Mm -hmm. uh, let me get to where um, he picked this up. I told him I would mention it on air. Okay. Uh, he's talking about how uh, Soup Campbell got fired this week, allegedly on the phone. This all stems from a report from Brad Biggs. And remember, Campbell was one that uh, basically George McCaskey was kind of like, Hey, look, everybody, we've got a black guy and, uh, he's helping and he's black. He just wanted everybody to know that they had a black guy working on the, the, uh, committee to help hire a new coach. If you recall, mm -hmm. um, let's see, I'm trying to get to the point where he's like, uh, well, who, who was it that said that? Hey, look, we got a black guy. No, I'm, I'm saying that facetiously because oh, okay. they made such like a big deal that, Hey, Soup Campbell's involved. Gotcha. Soup gotcha. Campbell. Hey, do you know who Soup Campbell is? He's involved. Yeah. Okay. So this is what he was saying. He's works at a casino. He's like, 
if anyone had been fired, uh, they would be fired face to face. A boss that fires over the phone because it's because they usually don't give a fuck. Nobody wants to work for a boss that doesn't care. You have to be a leader and a leader would fire the person face to face is what he's saying. He's like, the entire thing looks bad. Uh, there might be more to it, but just considering because this guy's new, we're kind of giving, he's saying that if Ryan Pace would have done this, it would have been under a lot more scrutiny. And uh, th- I'm stealing this tweet from someone at the bears one, two, three, one, six, two, four, four, sir. I don't like your handle, but that's up to you to have that handle. Uh, but I like his tweet. Polls has just signed two guys that have been to jail traded slash let go of our best player in all three phases signed an injured player that couldn't even sign and fired a respected front office front office member that the players love. Wow. So that's what basically the, the heart of what Sanjin's saying too, that it, it just looks bad again from the front office. So what is your reaction? I agree that it looks bad, but let's take this one particular one uh, talk about it specifically, not the other ones, because those all look bad, too. And I think we've talked about every one of those incidences. But this new one um, does look bad. There's no doubt about it. Firing somebody while they're on vacation and over the phone is not a good look. But we don't know what transpired. Maybe sure. uh, maybe he called uh, uh soup and said soup i need you to come back here because there's something very important i need to talk to you about he goes oh, i just came on vacation can't we talk about it over the phone and he goes really i i think it's just something we should do face to face well i really don't want to leave my family i'm on vacation well guess what this happened that, that happened and this happened and that happened what do you have to say for yourself and perhaps soup didn't have a uh, a credible defense and he says and he said you're fired i'm just speculating here but I want to give this new general manager, Ryan Post, the benefit of the doubt because we don't have all the details. We shouldn't rush to judgment. Now, those players that 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 he signed that have, uh, have had uh, uh, prison history or jail history, you know, that's not a good look either when you're trying to change the culture and stuff. But he vouches for these people. And and sometimes you, you vouch for somebody and they betray you. It is what it is. I, I don't think we should, you know, condemn him for that. Um, and what were the other two things that, uh, he, he did wrong according to that tweet? No, nah, he got rid of like the top player on all three phases. Well, and that, and that is, you know, a, a managerial decision because he wants to clean house and start over. And so you can criticize the tr- strategic move, but it's not like until, until, we get all the information in, which won't be for two or three years. We'll see if that strategy, the clear house, worked. Um, frankly, you know, I think it's the proper approach to take. I think you should, you need to clean house, and unfortunately, that means that good players like Khalil Mack are gone. You know, we weren't getting our uh, our money's worth with with Khalil, and oh, so I know. <laughs> hopefully, Jaquan Brisker, as you've said courageously for years now. Um, and so hopefully now Jaquan Brisker will provide, you know, a, a better value for this team. And, and we've talked about safety play for the Chicago Bears, how atrocious it was. This could be a great, great deal. Jaquan Brisker for Khalil Mack, uh, lower salary. You're paying the safety. You're getting a, another draft pick next year, a low round draft pick, but it's another draft pick. So 
I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to I don't want to throw poles under the bus for this firing of soup because it doesn't look good. I agree. It doesn't look good, but we don't know all the details. I think at the end of the day, what it's going to come down to is winning and losing. If if the Bears are just horrid this year, I don't even mean just record, but they, if they if they fail your eye test mm-hmm. and it just looks like things are just inadequate and inept then all of these things will add up. They'll just keep saying, look at this p- terrible preseason uh, or the bef- literally, and I don't mean the, and it, like the preseason in terms of working out and playing games, but prior to all of that, like this off season, mm-hmm. the off season then will be stacked up with that poor, that poor 2022 season. But if the bears play well, the way I suspect that they can, mm-hmm and maybe surprise some people and Justin Fields is playing well, then most people will forget about Soup Campbell by December if the Bears are playing good football. I can't even remember his name when the show started. So. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the stuff in the beginning will be ignored if the Bears are winning. Absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% with you. You know, the fact of the matter is, yeah, it looks bad because he was on the hiring committee, and so he probably gave a thumbs up uh, when, when everybody said, Pose looks like the guy. But at the same time, you know, who knows what his performance level is, right? It's, it's who was it that just put up on, on, uh, on, in the chat, you know, perhaps he was siding with the wrong players because soup was, was his job was player engagement and making sure Nomad, Nomad says reportedly very close to players, right? Maybe he's taking the wrong, the side of the wrong guys. Could be, you know, I don't think he just fired him as part of the overhaul. That would, that would be, that would be bad. You know, I, I've, I'm, I'm planning on firing this guy because as part of my overhaul of the administration, that position is not necessary or I have a better candidate in my mind available. I'll wait till he's on vacation and call him. If he really did that, then Ryan Poles, you suck dick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. That's a bad, bad move. So, But if it was premeditated that he was going to fire him and he, and he waited – for the guy to be on vacation, that's that's not good. But I don't think he did that. I really don't think Ryan Post did that. I don't think he sucked dick, Ryan Post, until proven otherwise. <laughs> Hopefully, even if he does suck dick, we win games, then he can suck as much dick as he wants. <laughs> I'll suck dick with him if it means we win football games. <laughs> Jesus, I'm tired of being a fan of a losing team. <laughs> Jesus, I'm with you, man. I ain't sucking nobody. It's promiscuous. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> leads to victories. Uh, I'm so glad we're doing this show because I was really down in the dumps, man. And uh, now I get to laugh. The first time I've laughed since Saturday, I think. So this is all good. Um, listen, last week we started the Lovey Smith uh, era. We, uh, Dan recollecting the Lovey Smith years and the way only Dan Aguirre can just outstanding work. His recollection is uh, incredible. His storytelling techniques are fascinating. Um, but we only got through the first three seasons of the Lovey Smith era. So we decided to do a part two today and uh, that's what we'll do for the next, uh, let's see about 90 minutes or so hundred minutes. And if it, we'll see where it takes us and if there's still uh, some on, on unwritten uh, or unsaid stories about lovey we will uh, continue that uh in, in the next show so dan i'm gonna turn it over to you my man first off i i really wish someone would make lovey shave that beard 
<laughs> you don't like the Fidel look? <laughs> no, I, I don't like beards, but specifically Lovey's, the big gray beard. Like it might look cool if he would dye it. Mm-hmm. Color, yeah. man. Nobody, maybe he just doesn't want to color it or whatever. But if that were black, if his beard were black, that might look cool. But the big gray silver beard that he has, it just looks terrible, in my opinion. Yeah. He looks like Santa mind. Claus. Yeah, it does. I mean, no doubt. I don't mind it so much, but it is a shock every time I see him. He's got that beard, <laughs> but I don't mind it so much. I wish it was, there was a little bit more, uh, a little, a little uh, dark hair in there. You know, what's it called when you have a, a salt pepper and pepper or whatever? Yeah, salt I and think pepper. that's not salt and pepper, <laughs> but salt and pepper. I said salt and pepper. <laughs> you ever listen to salt and pepper? Yeah, what a man! What a man! What a man! Yeah, Lovey Smith. Yeah, yeah. What a cock! <laughs> we talked about that before who do you out of all the bears coaches who do you think had good cocks I mean, we, we had that a long time ago Did we? I, I forgot about that who, yeah who we were saying like which coach probably slept with the most ladies and things like that oh well i heard john fox was quite the ladies man <laughs> really that's what i heard maybe it's the gravel voice you know yeah, or maybe it's the million dollars falling out of his pocket when he goes to the club. <laughs> I can see Dick Jerron quietly having like a like a huge cock. <laughs> like a low-key big cock. Yeah, because he's so modest and polite. And then Jerron would just like pull it out and hit the floor with it. <laughs> There's Luffy with the beard. Um, now I never thought about that. You know, he never struck me as a big cock kind of guy. You know, he I, I'll just never forget the look on his face when he was introduced at the press conference. He looked like a deer in the headlights. In fact, I remember exactly those were Mark G. and Greco's words. He, uh, I think he was at WLS at the time or maybe Channel 5 here in Chicago. That's what he said. He was just like he was rushed into duty because of the Dave McGinnis botched hiring <laughs> he yeah, was God. and so they bring out poor dick Duran and he's looking at the camera like whoa wide eyed holy cow there are a lot of cameras here <laughs> and uh you know what he he was the coach of the year what in his first or second year you remember that the third year was when he had the most success when he was 13 and three okay he was the ap coach of the year then uh and uh and then quickly <laughs> things went <laughs> Jay Sanders says, you guys are definitely my show. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Dan and I have spent time together in a hotel room, uh, but he was with a woman and I was not. So that should be highlighted once more for Mrs. Gandia. You were not. <laughs> That's right. I think she knows that, but uh, any reassurance is welcome. Especially when you're about to go on vacation. Oh, my gosh. Again, I can't wait. Um, all right. Let's get on with our lovey. Uh, where do we leave off? What year? We're starting 2008. We just had the disappointing post-Super Bowl season. When we still had high hopes at the time, there was always that, that in the background, like, the team that loses the Super Bowl always fucking sucks the next season. You're like, well, we're going to overcome this. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. So now, 08, uh, we've gotten rid of Thomas Jones the year before. And then we also have decided that Cedric Benson sucks, and we've drafted Matt Forte. Uh, so we have a new running back. Kyle Lurton is the unquestioned starter for some reason. We've brought back Marty Booker. You remember? 
Ah. Uh, for one season, we've signed Brandon Lloyd at wide receiver. Uh, let's see. 08 also featured. Um, who else was I going to highlight that was on that team? I don't recall now. We got a very young Greg Olson. So, I mean, I don't know. We're hoping that we're going to uh, recapture 06. And we're going to start the year on Sunday Night Football, the first game ever at Lucas Oil Stadium in the regular season against the team that had beaten us 29-17 to 17 in Miami mm -hmm. for the Super Bowl, the Indianapolis Colts. And wouldn't you know it, on Sunday Night Football, on September the 7th of 2008, we go and uh, we, we beat the Indianapolis Colts in the first game in their stadium. Uh, and the final of score that night was 29-13. to 13, And I recall Forte having a nice game. Let me look at his box score. If my uh, phone I, would, I had totally forgotten that we opened that stadium, Lucas Oil, huh? Wow. Yeah, and Forte had a fifty-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. I knew it was a big run. I couldn't recall exactly how much, but Forte finished the night with twenty-three carries, a buck twenty-three, and the one touchdown, and he caught three passes for eighteen yards. Look at that! One of the most underrated Chicago Bears players in history is Matt Forte. Does anyone? disagree with me yeah i kind of do but you know i don't i don't want to be that guy but yeah i think he's about right where he should be i don't think he's overrated but i don't think he's underrated because i don't know he wasn't the best i mean he was more or less our marshall falk and a poor yeah. man's version of that Whoa, marshall falk a poor man's right i'll take it marshall falk was a hall of famer is what i'm saying like forte wasn't i mean forte was the same kind of player that would catch passes and take it to the house out of the backfield which is great but you know if it was third and one you're not necessarily i mean why do you think they brought in michael bush or chester taylor mm -hmm. you know uh to try to um or even Marion, the late Marion Barber the third. The the whole idea at the time was to have a guy that on third and one you could give the ball to, and Forte wasn't that guy. I'll tell you why, Dan, because they did not appreciate what they had in Forte. They had a Marshall Falk, Marcus Allen type of player, a Roger Craig type of player. Matt Forte would have Bill Walsh would have creamed in his tan. I would have creamed in my pants for Roger Craig. Don't forget, he played fullback earlier in his career mm -hmm. before they had Rathman. So uh, Wendell Tyler was their their halfback at early on in Craig's career, and he would run motherfuckers over. He he had thighs as big as a fucking house. So um, I'm just saying, Craig, again, to me, Craig is so much farther ahead of Matt Forte. What, what do you think about the uh, conversation that's going on in the chat? Forte or David Montgomery? Who would you pick if you were starting a team tomorrow? And they're both rookies? Yeah. Uh, David Montgomery. I don't agree. But it's not fair to judge Forte's. Forte had a, a solid career. Don't get me wrong. And we don't know if David Montgomery will hit that. I mean, he's only been in the league three years. Mm -hmm. He may not have the, I said, if they're both rookies. Mm -hmm. If they're both 22 years old, because mm -hmm. it's not fair to, to try to say Montgomery has to have the same career that Forte had. Let me tell you what, real quickly, and then we can get back to the second game of the 2008 season. 
my feeling is that in today's offense, you're going to throw the ball more often than you're going to run it. And that's my, uh, Forte's specialty. And when he gets into the open field, he's very hard to bring down because he had that little that little shake that so many times he would take a 10-yard pass catch and turn it into a 40-yard uh, play. And Montgomery has incredible skills. The way he breaks tackles is outstanding. But nowadays, you're only, you're only going to use him, give him 15 touches a game. Well, Forte can get 30 touches a game and and just be extraordinary. That's why, because it's the style of football today. Back in the day of, you know, Emmett Smith running the ball and guys carrying the ball 300 times a year, and Montgomery is your guy. But Forte is for today's 21st century offense. Anyway, Well, we disagree on that one, but that's okay. That's part of the fun of it. I expected you to say you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, you very well could be. Um, So the next seat, the next game, I was actually at the next game, Mm -hmm. uh, Chicago at Carolina, Darius Rucker sang the national anthem that day. He had just gone country, baby. He went from Hootie and the Bluefish to country. Good move. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't like either. Uh, But (laughs) this was one of the games. I've been to like four. It seems like I've been to like four Bears games where they've had a 17-3 to lead and lost. Mm -hmm. And this was one of those games. Brandon Lloyd, touchdown, Robbie field goal. Uh, Again, it's it's 17-3 to following McKee's touchdown. And the Bears will be trailing in this game 20-17. to and on fourth down, it's one of those stupid plays that I always just, just hate when it's like fourth and two and they go for the home run instead. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, Marty Booker is wide open. It should be the game-winning touchdown. But Kyle Orton can't throw the ball past 12 yards. I'm sorry. I mean, I can't either. I'm sitting in a chair. But Kyle Orton was the starting quarterback for the 2008 Chicago Bears team. If he even if Rex is playing, that's a touchdown. Games the Bears win. He throws a duck that's like eight yards short of Booker and hits him in the feet, mm-hmm. and the game ends. And needless to say, I was very upset because I just knew number eight's on the sideline, and he makes that throw. But for some reason, we've sold our soul to Kyle Orton here, and I'll never ever understand why. I know it. You all love him, and. I don't love him, but I thought we could win with him. But I'm trying to remember that play. I'm looking on YouTube to see if there's a highlight of that play because I don't remember. So you're saying Orton. Uh, he under, dramatically underthrew Booker, who was wide open for the win. Gotcha. Sort of sort of <laughs> rings true. I'm not, I'm not doubting you at all. But um, all right, go ahead. <clears throat> so that was week two. So suddenly we're one and one. Now we've started both games on the road. So – you know, you're thinking, okay, we're going home, and guess what happens? Well, I've mentioned, make reference to this the last week. Tampa Bay's coming to town. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay's coming to town, but they're going to start. You guessed it, Brian Greasy, mm-hmm. former Chicago Bear, right? He oh. has that revenge game. Can I read you Brian Greasy's line that day? I, I, I've got it right now. He throws three picks, mm-hmm. so that's about right when he was a Bear. But Brian Greasy. 38 of 67 for 407 yards, two touchdowns, and three picks. Wow. Greasy. 407 yards and would lead the drive to the game-winning field goal. Matt Bryant, 21 yards, 27-24 Tampa, and the 08 Bears are now 1-2. and two. God damn it. 
<laughs> but, but don't worry. The Philadelphia Eagles are coming to town. And uh, you know what? I don't really remember this game very well. The Bears are going to win this one 24 to 20 and and go to 2 and 2. I I don't, I don't know if I remember this game. 24 to 20. Um uh, looking at the box. Evan Hester ca- catches a touchdown that day. Greg Olson caught one yeah. 20-yarder from Kyle Booker. Oh, this is a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. It says start time 8:23 p.m. for some reason. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Sunday I don't night. Sunday night. I don't remember this one. I really don't. I mean, I have it, but I, that's a game I I feel like Jim McMahon now. <laughs> I don't remember this game. <laughs> Let me see if I can pull up some highlights. Uh Philadelphia Eagles. Hold on. Cuz I found the Panthers highlight, but they didn't have that throw. Uh, week four. Yeah, here's some highlights. Hold on. I'm going to put them up on the screen here in, in just a momento. I thought Stephen Paya was in the chat room for a minute. Former Bear. It says Stephen Me. I was like, <laughs> Stephen Paya's here? It's good old Stephen Me, man. You is that Rasheed Davis? Yes, it is. Good old number 81. There's Orton. He looks downfield. He throws a pass. Oh, what a wonderful catch by G. Greg. All right, you do the next play-by-play. Uh, look at Greg Olson. Why do we get rid of him? I'll never know. Oh, look at that athleticism. Oh, it's tremendous. All right, this was at Soldier Field. Go ahead. And Jay's it. best friend on the team, but let's get rid of him. Oh, oh there's Deshaun Jackson. Fucker, I hate him. Still <laughs> in the league somewhere, I'm sure. McNabb. Okay. Just a completion. I'm not sure what the big deal. Oh, there's the old end around. Right. Jackson's probably going to fake out everybody on the team. Of course he is. <laughs> oh, look at oh, oh, there oh, he's got oh, that double move oh, and with a perfect pass. Touchdown, yeah. Philadelphia. Right up, love me. The Eagles announcer. It's always like touchdown, Philadelphia. You know the guy I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Their play-by-play guy. God, I hate that guy. <laughs> oh, loose ball. You gotta love Muff. I I love Muff. Is that Dante Jones? Good old number fifty-three. No, no. <laughs> his last season as a Bear would have been nineteen ninety-four. Okay. There's Orton back to pass. He's throwing. He's throwing. It's forced in there, but it looks like a touchdown to Booker. Was that Marty? All right. Was Marty. Big fan of Marty. Yeah, I love Marty, man. He had from midfield suitcases. McNabb, look at that throw. That's a, that. I don't remember him having like lasers like that. That's a great pass. Yeah, look at fucking Terry Schmidt, one of Mike North's favorites. <laughs> Got Maybe Campbell, the Campbell soup. We we're talking about soup Campbell. That's back when McNabb actually endorsed Camp Soup. Oh, well, that's right. Erlacher did too. Mm-hmm. Oh, the screen true. pass. There's the Forte screen. Yeah, those things always work for nine yards. And then it's the Green Bay does it all the time to us, and we can't stop it. Look at that catch! Holy yeah, shit, Hester. Holy mother of God. Jay Culler would say, ah, I got, that guy sucks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that Culler would have loved Hester. I, I just can't imagine why you, he'd be like, ah, I don't like him at all. I don't even want to throw him the ball. I guess there were just some issues regarding running routes, you know? Oh, so- Orton with the fumble. Oh, fucking Orton. Who said I that? do not remember this game at all. At least the Bears win. You are probably fucking. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Not only you. All right, take it away. Okay, so the Bears are two and two. They're going to host Detroit the next week and blow them out because this is the Lions' zero and sixteen season. They're going to win thirty four seven. We'll skip over that. Oh my goodness! You got to remember this next game. 
The Bears are three and two heading into the Georgia Dome. I remember this so well. It's October the 12th, 2008. Kyle Lorton is going to connect with Rashid Davis for a 17-yard touchdown with 11 seconds to go in the game. 11 seconds to go in the game. Robbie's going to make the extra point. The Bears lead 20 to 19 with 11 seconds to go. So what does Lovey do? He calls for the old, you know, to kick. Don't kick it deep. Just kind of just throw it in there, you know, the old squib kick. Atlanta recovers almost at midfield from the squib kick. Matt Ryan completes a pass, one pass on the sideline, and then the former Denver Bronco, Jason Elam, from 48 yards with no time left. The kick is good. The Falcons win 22-20 to in a game we had no business losing. All of this is on you, Lovey. This loss was on you. Calling it like it is, Dan Aguirre. Lovey, that, that was a terrible. You remember this game, right? Yes, I do. This is one, one of the worst losses ever because you have absolutely no business losing it. I mean, it's always great if you're the other team that, that steals a game like this. Mm-hmm. You feel like you've really accomplished something. And you have because it's like a, a Powerball win. Like, there's no reason that that the Bears lose that game, but uh, they drop to three and three, be that as it may. And then, uh, in an incredible feat, go to Minnesota and win. No, it's in in Chicago. I'm sorry. Uh, They had the orange on this day, if I recall correctly. It was right before my birthday. Uh, And they back then, they wore the orange right around Halloween. Mm -hmm. And the Bears win 48 to 41 in a duel that uh, featured. Kyle Lorton and Gus Verrott. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Gus's stats, but I remember him playing that day. Yep. Gus was 25 of 40 for 298, two touchdowns, four picks. Orton, 21 of 32 for 283 and two touchdowns. Good stat line for Kyle. Uh, but 48 to 41. I remember this game uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the Bears are four and three. Yeah, uh, Bernard Berrien was then with the Vikings, and he caught a touchdown pass at the end of that game. I remember thinking, how do we let that guy go away? Exactly. <laughs> Love Bernard Berrien. Rex Grossman got him that contract. The Bears then pick on the Lions again, uh, 27 to 23, and now they're 5 and 3. First, you know, Lovey likes to break down the season into quarters. Mm-hmm. So right now, after the second quarter of the season, we are. Uh, five and three. This is the game Orton hurts his ankle. And if you're a Kyle fan, uh, this is the, the, the turning point of the season because he's going to rush to come back because he doesn't want to give up his job to Rex. And I don't blame him, mm-hmm. you know, but he's going to rush back and he's had a decent first part of this season. He's virtually ineffective the rest of the way because of that ankle injury. And, but I don't fault him. I know he's, he's coming back because it's his livelihood. It's his next contract. It's his job. Mm-hmm. So, but having said that, uh, he's not the same. The next week, Rex gets his only start of 2008. I remember vividly the Bears got the, either they received the, the first drive, but either way, their first possession, they go straight down the field and Rex throws a touchdown to Matt Forte, mm-hmm. five yards out, and it's seven to nothing Bears. This is one of those weird years that when Jeff Fisher was in Tennessee, bar, except for that Super Bowl season, a lot of times they would go like 
you know, 12 and four out of nowhere and then lose their first playoff game. And then the next year they'd be eight and eight. You know, he did that a couple of times. It feels like, and this is one of those years they, they were really good, but lost their first playoff game, but the bears would lose this game 21 to 14. And Rex was awesome. That first possession and didn't do much the rest of the way and never played again for the Chicago bears. This is Rex's final game, and the Bears are five and four. So let's rush Kyle Lurton back next week at Lambeau Field. The Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. Are you looking at the score? Because it's 37 to 3 Packers. Oh my God. 37 to 3 Packers. Yeah. And Kyle was awful. 133 yards passing. Well, uh, Aaron Rodgers, the young Aaron Rodgers, 227 yards passing, two touchdowns. Jeez. Man, I hate this. Yeah, so they go to the Rams the next week. They're, they're six and five. They win there. Nothing memorable. They lose to Minnesota. I do remember this being a night game, and uh, Bernard Berrien ca- caught a 99 yard touchdown. Oh, yeah. I, re- I remember vividly in 95, mm-hmm. Brett Favre hitting Robert Brooks for a 99 yard touchdown. That's the game, the famous highlight where. Uh, on the extra point, the guy jumps out of the stands and catches it. Yeah, remember the yep. football? They showed that highlight forever when one of the guys jumped out of the stands and caught a extra point kick. And so 90, 99 yards backed up here on end zone touchdown. Robert Brooks, and in this night, Gus Ferrat, ninety nine yards to former Chicago Bear Bernard Berrien, uh, to really upset us and make us six and six. So the season's not looking good. We play the Jaguars, you know, uh, you know, they're not very good. They're seven and six. Now the bears 23 and uh, to 10 there. Uh, this is where they have three straight home games. Uh, if I recall correctly, uh, they beat the new Orleans saints 27 to 24. Then they beat the Packers. This was an overtime game, but we shouldn't even have gotten there because uh, the Packers had driven down the field to kick the game-winning uh, field goal with seconds left, and Alex Brown blocked it. So they go to overtime, and the Bears win 20-17. to 17. So now they're 9-6, and six, and this sets up the last game of the season. Again, they needed a lot of help, and Tampa Bay lost their like last three or four games, which was a must for the Bears to make the playoffs, and they've done it. So now it's when and you're in Chicago at Houston with everything on the line, December the 28th, 2008, and they have a 10 to nothing lead and they still lose 31 to 24, not Orton's finest hour to say the least. He sort of shit the bed in his final game as a Chicago bear. Uh, I mean, he had 244 yards, 22 or 37, no touchdown or two touchdowns, no picks sacked twice. Again, not horrible, but not enough, man. You, you have a 10-point lead, you lose. The Bears are eliminated from the playoffs. And that is going to set in motion the idea that we've got an upgrade this position. We're not going to re-sign Rex now. We're letting him go. Mm. But Kyle can't do it. That's mm. what Jerry Angelo's decided. He can't do it. That's what I've decided as well. But more importantly, Jerry Angelo's made that determination, and that's going to lead to the big trade on April the 2nd, 2009. Bears fans, get out your pitchforks because we're going to trade Kyle Orton, a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and I think a a fifth, all for Jay Cutler. 
and then a draft pick back, which will become Johnny Knox. Oh, I'll leave you to grieve. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I like the trade, man. I, and it set up a lot of hope for me yeah. in 2009. Do you want to interject? I just I, I hate to trade so many assets for uh, a veteran, one veteran player. It just disrupts everything. You know, the, the way you win in sports is through the draft and bringing in new young players. And that's not the only way, of course. We've seen success teams. The Rams are a perfect example, although they have their drafts have hit on mid-round draft picks. I mean, huge guys like Cooper Cup that have been able to supplement their strategy of paying big for free agents. But for the most part, I personally like to build with the draft. And then only when I think the team is ready and just is a player away, would I, would I, would I trade draft assets for that one superstar player that could potentially get you over the top. And I would be very cautious about doing so. Do you think that at the end of the 2008 season, the Bears were in such a position that, hey, if we get a quarterback, we'll be fine. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see it that way. See, I thought that, you know, again, they're 9-7 and seven mm-hmm. in 2008, and they 07, they don't make the playoffs following that Super Bowl, but a lot of bad play from Rex and Greasy and Orton. Mm-hmm. So I thought, man, the defense is okay. It's not great, but it's good enough to help you win. And, and you, if you get that quarterback, why not? And what were your thoughts about Lovey as a head coach at that point? No, I, he lost that Atlanta game. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. His decision to squib kick right there. But I still had confidence in Lovey. I still thought, uh, you know, he's learning. You know, at that point, he finishes like his fifth year. And mm-hmm. I thought that the sky was a limit now that he had Cutler. I mean, it just felt... Like, man, uh, we, we've got a shot. And within two seasons, we're in the NFC Championship game. So that wasn't exactly, at least early in Cutler's tenure, that wasn't, like, like dumb. I mean, you know, because Cutler's, yeah, they're going to, you'll see 09 isn't great. They're 7-9. and nine, But, you know, they're in the title game in 2010. They're going to be 7-3 and three in, in 11 when he breaks his thumb. And they're going to be 7-1 and one in 2012. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> It started out well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Uh, I, my, my confidence in Lovey was still high because I knew what he could do with the defense. Um, bringing in a gunslinger quarterback, I thought, my, well, this might help him, you know, because he doesn't give a shit about the offense. And maybe Cutler is going to be the guy who can just take over the reins of the offense and make it hum. But what we learned later as the years passed on is that uh, Jerry Angelo did not surround Cutler with the necessary weapons that he needed, uh, and Cutler was devoid of leadership qualities that could have helped them even without some of those weapons. First game, 2009. Mm -hmm. Green Bay, Sunday Night Football. The last time the Bears wore white on white, mind you. Cutler's first game. This is the game where famously Jerry Angelo takes his glasses off and puts his hands in his or his head in his hands because Cutler throws a couple of dumb picks in the first half. Mm-hmm. In spite of that, uh, he would hit Devin Hester with a 36-yard touchdown in the third quarter, and at that point, the Bears trail 10 to nine. Mm-hmm. And there's another play in this game, everyone's favorite, 
It's still sick. I'm sorry. I'll be the asshole. It sickens me that this man made the Bears top 100 a couple of seasons ago. Patrick Manley. Yeah, they talk about all the games he played. I mean, the guy had like three snaps a game or something. I mean, it's not like, you know, he was Jim Marshall, you know, like playing uh, 60, 70 game plays a game for 20 seasons or something in Minnesota. Like, he, he snapped the ball a couple times a game. And in, the, in this game, the Bears are in punt formation, and he calls he calls the audible, not Lovey. Patrick Manley saw something, calls an audible. They give the ball to Garrett Wolf, and he's tackled like eight yards in the backfield. And of course, Green Bay is going to get cheap points out of that. So the Bears are going to lose this game, twenty-one to fifteen. And the determining factor, other than Jay's early interceptions, because he came back and had a decent game early mm-hmm. on, he really struggled. But it was that Patrick Manley play. Mm-hmm. That was uh, it gave Green Bay those points late in the game when and you know not to mention Greg Jennings fifty yards from Aaron Rodgers. But another critical thing, Brian Erlacher gets hurt in the first half. Erlacher at this point is still a good player. You know later on he was struggling with the, after the major right injury with his hamstring or his yeah, knee. That wasn't for another four or five years. It's twenty eleven. Oh, but. Okay. In 2009, he's still good. I mean, he's not great. He's not 01 or lacquer, but he, he he does something to his hand, and he misses the whole season. Mm. He's out the rest of the way. And I remember being critical at the time. I was like, Brian Urlacher should just go up to Lovey Smith and say, I'm Brian Urlacher. Here's my fucking helmet. I'm going into the game. Because I was like, tape up your fucking hand. You're on defense. Let's go. But he's out for the whole year. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the year, he's going to talk shit. I mean, he is, and that's another thing I took a lot of umbrage with at the time is like before the trade, he, he and Bobby Wade are going around saying that Cutler's a pussy and a pretty boy and all this stuff and dividing the team. And then he gets there and all the time, like again, Erlacher's hurt, but he's given leaks to, you know, his boy. What's the guy from Fox that he loves so much? It does the fucking karate shit. Oh, the little, Glazer, Jay Glazer. Yeah, Jay Glazer. He's always leaking stuff to him like, I don't know, the Bears would have been better with Kyle Orton, and they're throwing the ball too much this year. He's constantly ripping Cutler from the, literally from the sidelines, which I thought in a lot of ways divided the team, but that's just my opinion. But Erlacher was not a good teammate to Cutler. There's no way around that, and people always give him a pass for that. Um, but the 09 season is going to be marred by inconsistencies, but the, one of the highlights is Cutler's first win in uh, – Soldier Field the next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steelers are the defending, reigning defending Super Bowl champions. But Jay is going to lead a drive down. Uh, they're, they're trailing 14-7 to in the third quarter, but he's going to throw a touchdown to Johnny Knox. Comes back, leads Robbie for a field goal, 44 yards. It's good. The Bears win 17-14. to That's where you get the highlight where Jay is waiting to call timeout like for the last to set up the last field goal. And the referee knocks his helmet because you know jay has the helmet resting on his head and it's not on but the referee hits him and that knocks cutler's helmet backwards and jay catches it, uh, it yeah it's just, he, he's a superb athlete he really is but like all that was in one motion and they used to show that a lot on the highlights where the, uh he still caught his helmet after the ref accidentally knocked it off but uh the bears are one and one Fun game the next week. They go to Seattle. Seattle, it's the first time they'd worn those ugly, like, lime green uniforms. Mm-hmm. 
and they're it's looking bad. Jay's getting sacked. I mean, they're losing. It's it's. I'm looking at pro football. It's uh, reference. It's thirteen nothing. Late in the game, though, ugly game. It's nineteen to seventeen, Seattle, and Jay uh, with an all out blitz would hit Devin Hester, who took it thirty six yards to the house and the game winning touchdown. As the Bears went twenty five to nineteen, fucked Seattle. The Bears are two and one. And then next week, great highlight. This is the day they tell you Jay Cutler signed a contract extension because when he first got here, I think he just had one year left on the deal. So the Bears obviously had to re-sign him. And they added, uh, what, three more years to the deal. And the Bears went 48-24, to but the the play of the game that sticks out in my head, you remember the play in the Super Bowl? Green Bay and Denver were always running for the first down and, and dives and gets hit and like somersaults in midair. Yes. Jay has the same play. You can look this up. You should be able to find this. Jay dives for the end zone and gets flipped and twirled in the air like Elway in the Super Bowl and lands in the end zone for a touchdown. Play of the game easily. Yes. And uh, the Bears win easily. It's 48 to 24, and we're three and one, baby. We're three and one with Cutler. Again, the sky's the limit. We don't even have Erlacher, but we're th- three and one. But oh God. They have a Sunday night game. It, it's really tight competitively. They lose 21 to 14 at Atlanta. And this is where shit starts to go awry. They go to Cincinnati, cold right before my birthday, right before Halloween. Former Chicago Bear Cedric Benson in attendance. They always have those revenge games, don't they? Yes, they do. And Cedric Benson, where is your line, sir? 37, 37 carries. 30 fucking seven carries. Looking like John Riggins with 189 yards and a touchdown. 37 carries. His long of the day was 26 yards. It's just amazing that Benson would have this game just running down our throats. By this time, that we lose 45 to 10. I know Erlacher's out, but I'm really pissed at the defense right now. And it's going to continue. They go to Baltimore in a game with some snow and lose by 100 later, too. I'm like, either Lovey's like scheme is not working or they got something's not right here, you know? You got anything for me? I do. I got that highlight of Cutler. Oh, please. Would you like to see it? Yes, I would. I know you would. This is the the, the play against the, uh, the Lions? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, He had just signed his new contract here. Look at this. Look at that effort. Wow. Look at that fucking effort. That should never be forgotten when people talk about Jay Cutler. I agree. The dude had balls, the dude had balls as tall as me. Right. And, and I'm 6'5", and he had 6'5 balls. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I hated about the criticism involving uh, Jay Cutler is that people would call him cowardly because of the 2010. There was nothing further from the truth. That guy's a tough motherfucker. Fucking uh, right. Just not, was not a good leader. Right. And I think even Jay would tell you that that's not his strong suit to, mm-hmm. to he's not a rah-rah guy. I, I don't think he ever uh, tried to pretend that he was. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked, maybe you know this, what was what was the behind the rip uh, with Erlacher and Cutler? Was there, was there a reason for that? Do you know? I don't know. Like I said, there are all these reports that he and Bobby Wade – well, Bobby Wade, I, I'm pretty sure was going to be cut really soon anyway. Mm-hmm. But they were saying that Cutler was a pussy, 
and all this stuff before the trade or right or before he got in town. Mm-hmm. The trade had been announced, but he hadn't arrived and had his first presser yet, you know? Yeah. And that was on offense for Erlacher, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I it, and I've never even heard of rumors as to what was behind it, but I, I could see the, these two alpha males. I could see that um, uh, per, Erlacher was probably upset with Cutler because he wasn't the leader that he thought that the team wanted. I disagree. Oh. Okay. I think it's because Erlacher was the face of the team, and now he had competition. Okay, well that that makes because sense. now people like me are buying the number six jersey, mm-hmm. and for almost a decade, fifty four was the face of that franchise. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, moving. Well, by the way, did you see this? <laughs> somebody put up. I was actually made a graphic of it. I'll, I'll use it for a future show. But somebody put up who were the greatest players with jersey numbers? Like who was the greatest number one, the greatest number two, and the greatest number six? Guess who? Jay Cutler. And when you look through, I actually spent 15 minutes looking through the history of pro football. There has never been a quarterback or a play, NFL player better who played better than Jay Cutler, who wore number six. Bobby Brister? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good Bobby Brister story, but I'll save it for another day because I don't want to destroy the flow. But uh, Kevin Butler was number six. Who? Kevin Butler. Oh, well, then there's competition there <laughs> if you want to put a butt up against it. But, yeah, it, it is true in terms of quarterbacks. I, I looked all over. Now, I think that's going to change now that defenders and offensive players are allowed to change numbers and have single-digit numbers. We're probably going to see some guy with a number six, you know, surpass Cutler's uh, exploits in the NFL. Please go on. What, what game are we at now? Okay, so at this point, uh, like I said, I told you things bad have happened. They started out three and one. They lost a tight game in Atlanta, but now they've just trounced by Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and and uh, they're going to get back to over five hundred because Cleveland's going to come in and they're awful. Yes, they're, they're yeah. one and six at that point, That's- and uh, the Bears are wearing orange on this day, and they win thirty to six. Mm-hmm. So they're four and three. Arizona comes in. It's so weird. Like in the last bunch of years. Arizona is usually better than us when they come into Chicago mm-hmm. and they blow us out, but then we beat them when we go to Arizona. It's kind of weird, but uh, they're coming off their Super Bowl loss to Pittsburgh when they, you know, arguably should have had it. Mm-hmm. But Kurt Warner's like superb this day. He's 22 of 32 for 261, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Jesus. So, yeah, they went easily 41 to 21. And the Bears are now back down to 500. They're four and four. And this is the game where the Cutler distract the detractors can point to Thursday night football. Uh, San Francisco hosting the Bears. The Bears lose 10 to six. And what happens that night at, at Candlestick? Jays throws five interceptions. Five. Four of them or four of them to one particular player? No, that was the. Uh, it's going to be in 2010 against the Redskins. You're amazing. <laughs> When it, what's the guy's name in the secondary? Tooch always, I always forget his name, but yeah. I'm sure Tooch remembers him. He's uh, he's on NFL Network now. Um, Tooch, tell me the name. Tooch, tell me the name. Oh, Tooch, maybe maybe forgot. Oh. Well, at this point, we're going to drop to four and six because we're going to lose to Philly on Sunday Night Football. 
uh, 24 to 20. So the Bears are now down to four and six, and they were three and one. And things get worse. They go to the Metrodome, and this is Brett Favre with Minnesota now. And we are going to lose up there 36 to 10. The Bears are four and seven. So not looking good, but they're going to close out the year pretty successfully. They beat a bad St. Louis Rams team. Uh, they're se- 17 to nine. So now they're five and seven. All right. And then uh, they've got Green Bay. Uh, they lose 21 to 14. So it's certainly not a blowout, mm-hmm. but they're down to five and eight. And then here comes the Baltimore game. Then things get a little bit better after this. But the Baltimore game, snowstorm, the Bears are late landing because they can't get flights. It's just a horrible storm out, out east. And um, we're going to lose 31 to 7. Yeah. That was a hard It's like they didn't even show up. I mean, at this point, I was thinking Lovey's going to get fired mm-hmm. because he just got this quarterback and his defense has fallen apart. I think the only reason he didn't get fired in hindsight is because Erlacher missed the whole year. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, they spared him. So the Bears are the next game though is Monday Night Football, a game I remember well, and I love the ending. Uh, Minnesota, this is going to change Minnesota's whole season. If Minnesota wins this game, they are going to host the NFC Championship game against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. conversely, they're going to lose this game to the shitty-ass, raggedy-ass Bears, and consequently, they have to go to the Superdome in the championship game. And at one point, it comes down to a third-down play, and they've hit Favre so many times that he has a clear lane to run for five yards and doesn't because he's just so beaten up. He's 40 years old. He can't move. They've hit him 28 times, and he forces a pass and gets picked off, and the Saints go to the Super Bowl because of it. Do you remember this play? I don't. Yeah, he had a clear lane to run, but they had hit it. Remember, that's the bounty gate shit with the Saints. They were punished for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were intentionally trying to hurt quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. They hit him so many times. And, I mean, give Favre credit. He had had a heart now. I mean, he's sitting there taking it. No doubt. But it's a third down play or maybe second. It's late in the game. If he runs four yards, they can run the clock out or whatever. The Saints are done. Mm -hmm. And – uh. Instead, he forces a pass because he doesn't have it in him to run, and he gets picked off. But arguably, if they're not in New Orleans, that that doesn't even come down to that. Mm-hmm. But the reason they are in New Orleans is on Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears, and the game would go to overtime. Yeah, and how would the game end? Jay Cutler, 39 yards to Devin Aroma Shadu. Oh! <laughs> Devin Aroma Shadu, 36 yards in overtime. Touchdown, Mike Tirico is losing his mind as the Bears win in overtime. That's a good highlight if you could find that one real quick. I, uh, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. Hold on to your panties, baby. Here it is, Monday Night Football. Who's calling this game, Dad? Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico, as you just said a minute ago. <laughs> Adrian Peterson just fumbles the ball. The Bears have the ball. And here's a replay of the fumble. And look at those two defenders there. Peterson know. fumbles a lot. He, that was that was what the lovey would say. Just hit him, hit him hard, and he'll drop that fucking ball. He can put it in those words, but here's he a- might have, even though Lovey didn't cuss that much. He, here goes, here goes the play. I I hear no audio though. No, yeah, I don't have the audio on, but here okay. Forced fumble. Bears take over in Viking territory. And Cutler takes a shot for the win. Downfield. It is caught. Oh my, God, I love this my dick is hard. 
<laughs> I love my band. I love Jay Culler when you see that. Yeah, I remember. I remember saying "fuck you, Adrian Peterson." I remember that. <laughs> fuck you, Brett Favre. <laughs> uh, fuck you, Brett Favre too. Yes. And then the next week we go to Ford Field uh-huh. and uh, close out the year with a strong performance by Jay again. The Bears win thirty-seven to twenty-three. They finished the year seven and nine. Again, it didn't go as well as we'd hoped. I admit that Jay's stats in his first season with the Bears, uh, he completed 336. Okay, I got a low battery. Fuck, stop fucking with me, phone. 336 of 555 for only 60%. He had 27 touchdowns, but he had 26 picks. So it's not the best year statistically, but they finished the year pretty strong. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, after shitting the bed midway through the season, you're going to get Erlacher back. Mm-hmm. So I think that that little bit of optimism, a little bit of wins there at the end, mm-hmm. and the optimism of getting 54 back, I think is the only thing that saves Lovey. I, I honestly believe that. Well, I think, yeah, I would agree with that. But I also think the, the promise of, of Jay Cutler, you know, that was just his first year with Jay. And so it takes a while, right? And but you lost the Super Bowl. Now you've made you've missed the playoffs three straight years. Yeah, the that, Super Bowl feels like ten years ago at that point. Yeah, in the NFL, man, it sure does go by fast. You're in the- it's in politics. Three or four years in politics. Think about uh, okay. So we're at twenty two now. The midterms for Trump, mm-hmm. you know, in eighteen, that feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, fuck. It, but all the stuff that's happened. I mean, that's the way the NFL is. Three or four years later, it feels like a decade. Mm-hmm. Jeremy says, have we forgotten all the pick sixes to lose a game? Jeremy, we're getting to that. <laughs> that comes later. <laughs> Actually, mo- most of those, weren't most of those after Lovey? Yeah, I think yeah. Most, most of Jay's like horrible, horrible play would have been he, he struggled in 09, but it's like the second year of Tressman in 14, he really struggles. Uh, but like you said, we'll, we'll get to all that. We're not trying to ignore bad. I just, I acknowledged five interceptions in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. That was fucking awful. Now, 2010 is if we start the, the free agency, uh, that's free agency period off with a bang. We signed Julius Peppers Yeah, from Carolina. Now I, that at the time. Combined with Erlacher coming back, mm-hmm. we're thinking, man, the defense is going to play better than what it did last year. Uh, having Baltimore and Cincinnati beat us by a combined like 500 to, to 10. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, that's not going to happen now. And, and Jay's in his second year and uh, it should be better, right? It should be. It was, it was much better. You would think, right? Opening day is the game. Everyone talks about, as I've mentioned, the Calvin Johnson play, the bears, the bears win. 19 to 14. But as I've told you, Bernard Berrien got jobbed on the same kind of play in 04 at Ford Field in 2004 uh, in week 16. So that was uh, the irony coming back to haunt the Lions there. But uh, the catch that Calvin Johnson made that the officials took away from him, the Bears win 19 to 14. They don't deserve it. That's clear. Uh, the next game, they go to Dallas. Cutler's just getting annihilated, just hit and hit and hit. And then finally, Mike Martz decides to call quick passes. He hits Greg Olson for one, who takes it all the way to the house. Let me see what the uh, the uh, yeah. It was only nine yards, but it was it beat a bl- an all out blitz. 
Mm -hmm. And then, uh, Hester had a touchdown on a punt return. Uh, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. That's, that's week three. Shit. Let me go back. That's the, the, the Monday night game. Here it is. I had the right stat. It was, uh, it was 39 yards. Jay to Greg Olson. They beat the blitz and that kind of turned the game around because Dallas had like four or five sacks. It felt like at that point. Uh, and then Devin Hester had a phenomenal catch in, in the back of the end zone, but the bears go to Dallas and win, uh, 27 to 20 and, and they're two and oh, and guess what? We're going to be three and oh, and guess who the next opponent is at soldier field, the green Bay Packers on Monday night football, the year that we need to beat green Bay so badly. Uh, we play them three times. We did win. A lot of people forget this. That's right. Uh, Devin Hester had his first return for a touchdown since 2007 at this point. Yeah. He had oh, eight, no, nine. He didn't have any mm -hmm. 62 yards to the house. The Bears are wearing for the first time Phil, uh, Phil's favorite uniform, or Phil Atoshan, the 40s uniform with the blue and all orange number and all orange name. Mm -hmm. The 40s throwback. He loves that. And I have to tell you, I, I managed to get that jersey before I was supposed to. This is true. Really? I was working one night at the police department, and there's nothing going on. And they gave they announced that the Bears season ticket holders could get this jersey before anybody else. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm trying to order it through the Bears website, the Bears team store. Now that team store is is uh, with NFL Shop and Fanatics. It's the same warehouse. But back then, it was independent of NFL shop. So they had the jersey nobody else did at the time. So I sat there for like six hours trying to put in the password, and I cracked it. Oh, really? It was like something like Hallis 2010. So I put in the password and cracked it and got that Cutler jersey that you're seeing right there. Mm -hmm. I, I was able to get it before anybody else should have, unless you were a season ticket holder. But I was wearing it the night of that game. I already had it. And I'm in West Virginia. That is so cool. Yeah, man. I, it was luck. But I just I, I spent like six hours just putting in every bear related, you know, thing I could come up with. And it ended up being simple, like Hallis 2010 or whatever. But uh yeah, so the Bears win this game though, 20 to 17. Robbie with the two field goals to uh to close it out. Is this the punt return here? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Look at oh my gosh. Oh no, he almost had two it. in that game. He almost had two in that game. Holy cow. Why can't we get another Devin Hector on this squad? Maybe we do with uh Valus Jones. Look at this. Oh, nice throw to knock. I kind of wish we'd bring that jersey back and get rid of that 36 jersey. The one that's got the white oh. and those crazy socks and everything. Totally agree. Totally agree. That's a nice touchdown catch by who is that? That's G Reg. Greg Olson's final year as a bear. Let's trade him. Fucking Mike Martz. For no reason. <laughs> the bears are the kings of just trading players just because. Let's make a trade. Mm. Yeah, Knox had a good game. That that game, uh, Tooch put up 94 yards rush uh, receiving. He was He's one of those guys that we could do a whole show. I would love to get Knox on the show. J Johnny, give us a call. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, what happened? We, we lost the next game, right? Yeah, the next game uh, is uh, the Cutler game at New York. The ninth. You remember sack? that he is sacked like ten times in the first half. I think maybe yeah. nine. I think it was and nine I, in the first half. Yes. Yeah, that's going to lead to Todd Collins coming in because 
for God's sakes, the man has a concussion. He's been beat to death. Yeah. And look at Collins' stats. Uh, Four of 11 for 36 yards and one pick. Well, not much better than Jay. Eight of 11, 42 yards and a pick. <laughs> well, Jay's just beaten to death. And still we lose 17 to three. The next game I was going to go to at Carolina, mm -hmm. but Jay wasn't playing. So I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to go. I should have gone because I've gone to three Bears games in Carolina and the Bears are 0-3. Mm -hmm. So if I had gone to this, at least I could say they're 1-3. But this is the Matt Forte show because Todd Collins plays and I think Forte has 200 yards. <sighs> Let me see. Now he had 166, 22 carries for 166 and two touchdowns. But, uh, and he caught a couple of passes as well. But what about his – yeah, what? how many yards receiving did he have? Uh, two for 22. Okay. Chester Taylor added 18 carries for 43 yards. So look at that. 22 carries for Forte, 18 for Chester. So two guys with 40 carries there. Because mm -hmm. Todd Collins is so bad. The Bears won 23 to 6 without Jay, and they're 4 and 1. And uh, up next, the Seattle Seahawks. Fuckers, Pete Carroll. I'm trying to remember this game. It's in. I know we're going to play them in the playoffs as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't particularly remember this one. Hester had a touchdown. Yeah, I see that. Uh, the Bears win. Or the Bears lose. Bears lose here. Twenty three twenty. Exactly. Well, yeah, I definitely don't remember this one. You don't remember the bad games. <laughs> no. <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I don't. I, I when I think of 2010 and the Bear Seahawks, I think of the playoff win. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'd forgotten this one. Um, and uh, and I remember the 2012 game vividly too. But okay, so it's 23 to 20. They lose. Uh, they're they're four and two. Oh, and here comes the terrible game. This is Washington, uh, the team formerly known as the Redskins, now the Commanders. Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Hall with four interceptions of Jay Cutler, including a 92-yard pick six. Mm -hmm. And if you recall, the Washington Redskins are led that day by Donovan McNabb, once again beating his old city, the Chicago uh, you know, Bears, but of course he grew up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. The Redskins win 17-14. to 14. This loss can single-handedly be attributed to number six. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Jay was 26 of 40. Um 40, 26 of 40, 281 yards, one touchdown, and four interceptions. And then they have a bye, and that bye was like godsend because they won right. five games in a row. Five. They won five games in a row. Take us through those, that five-game winning streak. Well, the next game is in Canada. Uh, the, the Bills at that time were splitting games in Toronto, oh, yeah. losing two of their home games, which I'm sure the – what do they call themselves? The Bills Mafia. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they were upset about that. Bears win 22-19. Nothing special. Mm -hmm. Next game is against Minnesota. And that game is at Soldier Field. The Bears win 27-13. And nothing stands out about that one to me. They're 6-3, and three, though. Uh, Miami, that's a Thursday night game. And Brandon Marshall has a weird thing on the sideline. A member of the Dolphins, he's throwing footballs at Cutler. Yeah. Which may have gotten him a personal foul at one point or flag thrown on him. Yeah, because he was he was like angry at Jay or, or, or maybe just fucking around, but it didn't seem that way, right? 
Right. Yeah. Just something weird. The bears went 16, nothing. Uh, and then Michael Vick comes to town with the Philadelphia Eagles have a, a nice little shootout late afternoon start. The bears went 31 to 26 and man, we are in the fucking, uh, fast lane here. We've hit the, the HOV lane, uh, with a eight and three record Detroit comes in, we're going to beat the lions and suddenly we're nine and three. And now we're thinking super bowl, but in a snow game, the new England Patriots come to soldier field. And as always, uh, except for the one time Tom Brady eats us alive, Patriots 36 and the bears seven in the snow at soldier field. The next game is fun, though. The Bears are going to clinch the NFC North. Monday Night Football, the shitty-ass Metrodome has collapsed in Minnesota. The fucking, <laughs> the fucking roof is on the ground. So we go outside. The Vikings are like, we have to play outside? We're not used to that. Our, our pussy's hurt. We can't do that. So it's cold. It's at that, that stadium where their college team plays. Yeah, the Minnesota and, Wolverines. <laughs> yeah, TCF Bank Stadium. Brett Favre's final game. And the NFL with Corey Wooten. No, let's rewind. Brett Favre was doubtful, and then he was listed as out. Out means there's a 0% chance you're going to play. He's listed as out. And still, game time, he's active. After the, That's got to be a fine. You can't list a player as out, and then suddenly, you know, an hour before the game, ah, oh, he's active. Yeah, that sucks. But Favre comes out there, gets sacked by Corey Wooten, and never plays again. So finally, finally, the Bears have ended this man's career. Can we do the same to Aaron Rodgers, please? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, big play in the game. Devin Hester had a 64-yard punt return for a touchdown. Jay Cutler would throw a 67-yard touchdown to Johnny Johnny Knox mm-hmm. early in the game. The Bears are 10-4. and four. With a 40 to 14 victory on Monday Night Football, and they've just clinched the NFC North division title. This will lead to a showdown with a uh, former Bear who never actually made it onto the field for us, but Matt Sanchez. And the New York Jets would come in, and the Bears, again, all jokes aside, have a shootout with the Jets 38 to 34. Matt Sanchez that day was 24 of 37 for 269 yards. Uh, Cutler 13 of 25 for 215, but he threw for three touchdowns. And it's snowing that day, and the Bears win 38 to 34. Now they're 11 and four. And here comes this is what everything comes back to week 17. Mm-hmm. We talked about last week. The Bears set everybody in 2005. And they get beat by Carolina in their first play game or playoff game. And Lovey's got that in the back of his mind. He's he had that openly admitted he he regretted that because the team seemed to not be firing off on all cylinders kind of thing and maybe broke their momentum. Mm-hmm. So here it goes. The Bears don't need to beat Green Bay. They're the second seed either way. Atlanta's number one. They're gonna lose their first playoff game. But Atlanta's number one, but they gotta go to Green Bay. If they beat the Packers, the Packers are eliminated. So Lovey goes for it. Everybody plays. It's good game. It's low scoring. It's like a fucking 1970s, 60s Bears-Packers game. Mm-hmm. Jay was 21 of 39, 168, not his best game, two picks. Uh, but the finals 10 to 3. 
But the Bears gave it their best shot there, but they lose a Green Bay, and that's going to foreshadow what's coming. Man, but, my, my memory of that, and, and it's clearly wrong, but my memory is that they, they benched some of the starters, but I'm looking at the stat line here. No, everybody played. Yeah, everybody played. Uh, Lovey went for it that day based upon his error in 05. Yeah, but it, it just felt like um, – that was that was that was their playoff game. They had to knock the Packers out because if they would have done that, they would have gone to the Super Bowl. I'm convinced of it. But they kept them. Uh, they allowed them to get sneak into the playoffs, and we all know what would happen later. There was this was one of the most demoralizing losses for the Chicago Bears as, since I've been a fan. I really wanted them to win this game. Fuck. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So. Atlanta is going to go, I think, and beat. I'm sorry, Green Bay is going to go and beat Philadelphia in the wild card mm-hmm. in Philly. Then they go and beat the Falcons, who are number one. And the Bears are going to play Seattle next and beat them. And that's going to, by definition, the Bears are number two. If the number one seed is out, that means the Bears are hosting the NFC Championship game. I've got on my wall, hanging in my my Bears room, uh, the cover of Sports Illustrated with uh, Olin. Uh, snapping the ball and like pointing and Garza is two and Cutler's behind them. And it says, bring on the Packers. Oh man. I just, I should have thrown that away. How could I keep that after? <laughs> Cause it's snowing. It's a great picture. You know, the bears uh, beating Seattle yeah. first playoff pass the first uh, before anyone shits on Seattle. Cause they were the seven and nine Seattle Seahawks. The, the first team to have a losing record when a playoff game. But so if you say, oh, the Bears, their win doesn't count because Seattle was seven and nine. You know who they beat the week before? They beat the reigning defending Super Bowl champion, Seattle or New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. And that's where Marshawn Lynch, the legend of Marshawn Lynch, was born that day. He was okay in Buffalo. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. He gets traded to Seattle. He has a play that if it were Walter Payton, we would be we would be beating our dicks over. He runs over the whole fucking team and carries them like 70 yards. And scores. Let me see uh, if I can uh, look up what the yardage was on it. 67 yards on the touchdown, but he carries the whole fucking team. 10 or 11 guys all have shots at him. If you don't remember that play, you should look it up. Yeah, I do remember that play. I don't want to look it up because I'm going to start crying. On the- <laughs> Well, that was against the, the Seahawks or Seahawks against uh, New Orleans. So that's how they come to Chicago is what I'm saying. People... Will say, oh, well, they're seven to nine, but they just beat the the reigning Super Bowl champions. Okay, you're talking. Yes, you're talking about that uh, Seahawks Saints uh, divisional game. Yeah, and Marshawn runs over the whole team. Right. So I, I got a question for you. Um, Sixty-seven. Yeah, it was for three thirty-two to go in the fourth quarter. It's one of the most incredible runs you've ever seen. So if the Bears would have beaten the Packers in that Week sixteen matchup. Instead, they lost ten to three. Who would the Bears have played in the first? Chances game? are they go to Atlanta because Atlanta lost to Green Bay. So let's say if Philly wins, if Philly wins, then the the Eagles come to Chicago, and uh, Seattle would have gone to Atlanta because Seattle was the low seed, and uh, they were the fourth seed. So, again, the Bears would have hosted Philadelphia in the second round as opposed to the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So, more than likely, if they beat Philly, which they did in the regular season, which means nothing, but they if they get past them, more than likely Atlanta beats the Seahawks and the Bears go to the Georgia Dome for the title game, mm-hmm. which seems a lot more doable 
than what Green Bay turned out to be. And not to mention uh, Atlanta years later would lose a title game at home to San Francisco, if you mm -hmm. recall. Yep. Here's that. Here's the one. You, you've got to see it. Yeah, this is uh, this. No, that's not the Lynch play. Hold on, me, let me fast forward. It's the most unbelievable. Like I said, if this would have been Walter Payton, we'd still be talking about it. It's just, it's fucking incredible. There it is. Well, I remember this play like, fuck, I was like so jealous. Because it is like a, a, a Payton play. Happens it is. The next play. So um, the Saints in completion. And here it is. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven guys bounces. Look at that. The eighth guy can't get him. Nice block. The ninth guy can't get him. Unbelievable. God damn, Marshawn Lynch. That fucking stiff arm. God damn. Uh, what a run. Yeah, but the Bears beat them. And the first play, the very first play from the Bear from uh, Jay Cutler in his postseason, his only playoff game, mm -hmm. his first pass, 58 yards to Greg Olson. Touchdown Bears and Greg Olson's final game as a Bear for our you know for final win as a Bear because he's going to play the Green Bay game. But uh, the Bears have a 14 nothing lead in this game and we're going to win 35 to 24. Jay Cutler in this game was 15 of 28 for 274 yards, two pick or two touchdowns, no picks. He still was sacked three times. Uh, Baldy Matt Hasselback was 25 of 46, 258 and three touchdowns. But the Bears win the game. 35 to 24 in virtue of the Falcons losing, thus host the NFC Championship game January 23rd, 2011. For the first time ever, hated rivals, Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears will play a postseason game, and the winner goes to Super Bowl 45 in Dallas. It's Green Bay at Chicago, and it's not it's not going the way we want. First drive. They do the same shit that happens every time we would play Rodgers in this era. He's going to throw slants, and we're we're like, we've never seen a slant. How can we stop it? We don't know. Or they're going to throw the ball deep down the zone behind Erlacher, but in front of the safety because they know exactly where the Bears players are going to be in this cover two scheme at all times because they never would blitz or anything, it seemed. They go straight down the field. First possession, it's a touchdown. It's seven to nothing Packers. James Starks is going to run from four yards out. It's 14-0 Packers going into the fourth quarter. Before that, of course, Jay is going to hurt his knee. It's worth mentioning again that Olin Krutz has said that Jay came into the huddle to start the second half, and his knee was involuntarily shaking. Literally, his whole leg was shaking from his knee. He couldn't put any weight on it. He tried the one possession. He couldn't go. The team respected him. Is the fucking guy can't stand up. This is this is him in the third early in the third quarter. Go ahead. Well, they said even if the Bears had come back to beat Green Bay, Jay would have been too hurt to play the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. He had a grade two tear of a ligament in his knee, and he couldn't put any weight on it. So we bring Todd Collins in. The thing that a lot of people forget about this game, mm -hmm. they bring Todd Collins in. He is dreadful to the point where, uh, let's see, he's 0 of 4. 0 of 4. No touchdowns, no picks, and they say, fuck it, let's just bring this kid in no one's ever seen play named Caleb Haney. Because what the fuck, man? Jay can't go. Todd Collins is just like an impotent cock out there. He can't do anything. And um, 
There's no orgasm coming from Todd Collins that day, not for himself or anybody else. So they bring in Caleb Haney, and all of a sudden, the Bears go down the field. Chester Taylor scores. Holy shit, we're down 14-7. But then comes the biggest mistake. Caleb Haney gets picked off by a 445-pound man named B.J. Raji, who rumbles and stumbles and all that shit, 18 yards in for the touchdown. Pack lead 21-7. Earl Bennett would score 35 yards out from Caleb Haney to make it 21 to 14, but that's as close as the bears will come and they lose one of the most painful games they will ever know to the green Bay Packers or hated nemesis 21 to 14 in Chicago, no less. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to add insult to everything, we have to hear about how our quarterback doesn't have guts because the bears were too stupid to release a press uh, information to Fox. Just tell Pam Oliver, hey, yeah. Jay's really fucking hurt. He hurt his knee. He gave it his best. We're proud of him. We hope that he'll be ready for the Super Bowl if we come back. They don't say anything. So mm-hmm. all these rumors abound that he just quit. Because he's still, if you recall, he's on the bike. He's still trying to ride to loosen it up. Right. Still trying to get ready again. And then immediately after the game, that the fat running back from Jacksonville, what's his name? Uh uh, the three names, Mar- uh, J- Mar- something Jones drew Maurice Jones drew Jones drew. Yes. Yeah. Start saying that Jay had no heart. And then everyone, it just picked up from there. And everyone said, ah, oh, Jay quit. Jay quit. Jay doesn't have a, uh, any, any heart or, uh, he's, he's not tough and all this shit. And the bears could have mitigated all of that, but just telling Fox the dude's hurt. But they didn't. Their pre- their PR people didn't say anything, and the they PR really let Jay, they let Jay down because that ruined his narrative. The narrative nationally was that he was soft after that, and that's is so far from the truth. I totally agree with you. That was a botch situation by the Bears PR department, and I think Lovey Smith de- deserves some of the blame there. In that post game conference, he should have made it clear. This guy could not have gone. And I think he'd said that, but he didn't say it in a way that convinced anybody because the criticism continued that day and the next day uh, in the national media when they're doing oh. the highlights packages. It was so – There's that Raji play. Yeah, fuck B.J. Raji. God yeah. almighty, look at this. He just That's one of the worst plays in the history of the franchise. Yeah. He that may be the worst play in the history of the Chicago Bears franchise. Yeah. The defensive tackle is going out into coverage. Chad never would have expected that. He, was, he just didn't f- see the film. Uh, but he kept fighting. Look at him. Look at him here, trying to make a comeback. But it wasn't Well, he's going to be terrible in 2011, by the way. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Haney is horrible. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, one gleaming moment. <laughs> and he let us in that one touchdown. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So the painful defeat, and then two weeks later, we get to watch uh, the Packers go win the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was reading a text. Um, is it is it somebody I know with uh, her, her name is four letters? Yes. <laughs> nice. So uh, the, the Bears are, or have to watch. We all have to watch a Super Bowl between the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, the Green Bay Packers, which is just so awful. I've watched it when it was live. I'll never watch it again. Uh, you know, you watch Ben, ba- Big Ben get the, you know, they're down against the Cardinals in Super Bowl 43. He gets the ball back with two minutes ago, leads them straight down the field. They score a touchdown. He gets the same situation against Green Bay, of course, doesn't do shit. <laughs> that me hitting the mic was... Th- 
that, that's the mic drop for me saying Roethlisberger shit the bed there in the Super Bowl. But um, so we we have to watch Rodgers' only moment that he's ever going to have winning a Super Bowl because mm-hmm. uh, he's never going to win another. I, I'm going to say that. No, oh, I, I I'm with you. I, I back then I would have said he's going to win at least two more, but I'm with you now. There's no fucking way he wins another Super Bowl. Nope. And, and uh, fucking opening my mouth and saying that, watch him win. <laughs> he's not going to win. He's not because the guy, he's Mr. October. I'll just leave it at that. He can throw great regular season stats that I'm jealous of. And I'll openly admit that I wish that our quarterback would, would throw, mm-hmm. but fuck it, man. He's going to shit. He's going to, he's going to pre prematurely ejaculate in the playoffs. Period. <laughs> he's going to nut all over himself. <laughs> All right, we got it's already 10:45 my time. So we got time to run through these last two uh seasons. The Bears are going to open up 2011 against Atlanta, the team they could have played, and they're going to beat them pretty soundly, 30 to 12. Uh week 2 is one of those games against the dirty ass Greg Williams defense where Jay said he was kicked in the throat deliberately, God. and in the press conference he could barely speak. He said that he, it was Olin Cruz played for the Saints that day, mm-hmm. beat the Bears, and then retired after week two. He got his win over the Bears and he went home. Mm-hmm. True, true story. But uh, give Erlacher credit. Erlacher's mom died mm-hmm. on a Thursday or Friday that week, and Brian still played on Sunday. You can't take that away from him. Just, I mean, that's tremendous heart and effort and dedication to the team. For sure. The Bears lose 30 to 13. Like I said, Jay gets kicked in the throat. Um, the next week is one of those controversial plays where uh, Hester like returned a touchdown against the Packers, and the referee took it away and said he signaled, or you know what I mean? To, he because somebody signaled for a fair catch, but it wasn't Hester. Right. If I remember the play correctly, that was the uh, all everybody in the special team went one direction as if one of the other returners was going to get the ball. Right, right, but, right. And it actually was punted to the opposite side of the field, and Hester caught it, ran it back for a touchdown. It was a glorious moment, and then all of a sudden we see that there's a flag, and everybody's wondering, well, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, there was no holding. There was no clipping. And then they came up with that ruling that there was a, a fair catch called. And it was like, I oh, you. I don't know this for sure, but I bet if we go back, Tony Carrente was the referee that day. I bet you he was. <laughs> ah, let me the Bears every time he was the official. <laughs> yes. He so the next, it'll never happen again. <laughs> the, yeah, the, they lose to Green Bay. They're one and two. Uh-huh. The next week they beat Carolina. They're thirty-four and twenty-nine. Uh, thirty-four to twenty-nine. But it, I, I'm fairly certain it was a Tim Jennings pick six to win it. Let me look. No, that was in 2012. My bad. Uh, in 2012, he picks off Cam Newton to to win the game, mm-hmm. but it was actually uh, two touchdowns late from Marion Barber the third, who would kill us in Denver, mm-hmm. and uh, Greg Olson with the Carolina Panthers. By the way, Greg Olson would catch a touchdown from three yards out with four seconds to go, but it wouldn't be enough as the Bears would win, 34 to 29. Mm-hmm. And they're two and two. I've been corrected. Excuse me for interrupting. Uh, Ramke says it was Knox who caught it, and it was it was uh, uh, Hester was the decoy on that play. So it was Knox that ran it in for the touchdown. 
I knew there was a play that we got jobbed on. That's okay. So 2011, we're two and two and we lose a Monday night game in Detroit where everyone credited Jay for taking a beating and uh, having some heart on national TV. And he just had a solid game, even though we lost, uh, it was 24 to 13. But again, Jay's starting to get some credit here. He was 28 of 38 for 249 yards and a touchdown. So he stood in there despite getting sacked a bunch. But the Bears are two and three, and this is where things take off, though. The Bears are two and three. Uh, they're going to beat Minnesota 39 to 10, Sunday night game. And that's the famous clip where Jay says, Tell Mike I said fuck him on NBC, no less, on Sunday night football. And he screams it because he's like still calling for these seven step drops. And Jay's getting his ass handed to him and getting sacked every play. Exactly. And he's so pissed off. He says, tell Mike, I said, fuck him. <laughs> and and the, they have the mic. He's mic'd up. <laughs> so and it's you great. He was absolutely right to say that. I mean, uh, what a fucking dunderhead Mike Martz is. Does he not see what is going on in the field? I mean, I, I loved Martz when he was the offensive with the Rams. and then head coach with the Rams. You know, he did superb work, but he had the types of players that suited that system. With the Bears, he didn't, and he's trying to instill this seven-drop long pass system when he doesn't have the offensive line protection and he doesn't have the receivers to, to uh, implement that. And then he gets rid of our best pass catcher because he wants another blocking tight end. He wants a third tackle out on the field. He doesn't want a pass catching tight end. Fucking asshole. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but they're going to beat Minnesota. They're going to beat Tampa Bay. And now they're four and three. They beat Philly. Uh, they're five and three. They come back and beat Detroit, hammer Detroit, 37 to 13. Uh, and so they're six and three. And then comes the Chargers game. The Chargers uh, at Soldier Field. I can remember this vividly. So vividly, the Bears win 31 to 20. Mm-hmm. And um, Jay gets intercepted. Uh, this is their fifth straight win, but Jay gets intercepted, makes a tackle, and it looks like it's no big deal at the time. Right. And then about an hour after the game, a tweet comes out that Jay has hurt his thumb. Mm-hmm. And I, I sat on the couch, uh, and again, she was like, oh, God, you're so negative or whatever. But the lady that I would eventually marry was obviously there that day because that's the time frame we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I tell her that uh, he's out for the fucking season. I know it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you're so negative. And by like 830 Eastern time, it comes out that he's out for the year. Ruined the Bears, the Bears yeah. just won five games in a row. Five in a row. They were seven. They're seven and three. Yeah. This is going to get Jerry Angelo fired. I don't even want to go through the net because we've got some painful losses coming up. We've got uh, the Oakland game where Caleb Haney's okay. They lose 25-20. Kansas City, oh, my God. Okay, I will I will stop here. They lose 10-3. to Why do they lose? Because with no time left at the end of the first half, some bum named Tyler Palco. Who? Exactly. Tyler Palco throws a 38-yard Hail Mary to Dexter McCluster. This is the the love the vaunted Bears defense. Mm-hmm. There's like one second, and they throw a Hail Mary, and and he catches it. 
You can't it's blow it on the Bears defense. They only gave up 10 points. Yeah, but that's because they weren't trying at the end of the half. Come on now. Knock it down. I agree with that. That was a, that was a sloppy play. Oh, but. my God. So that would cost them the game. They lose 10 to 3. Caleb Haney is just dreadful again. Uh, his stats that day, 11 of 24, 133, and three picks. Oh, and by the way, he sacked seven times. Listen to Tyler Palco, who I, I don't remember at all. 17 of 30, a buck 57, one touchdown. Yeah, you remember that one. And you know who actually is on Kansas City that day? I'm surprised he didn't play and have his revenge game. You guessed it, Kyle Orton. <laughs> but that didn't happen, uh, fortunately. So, But the next week is even more painful. By the way, do you remember that Tyler Palco was a lefty? No, yeah. I did not. He was a left-handed quarterback. There's only been like three good left-handed quarterbacks ever. So and he was not one of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Boomer Siason, Steve Young, Mark Brunel, and Ken Stabler. That's about it. Yep. That is Unless you want to try to start throwing in Todd Marinovich was good in college. I don't know what else you're gonna say, but but uh, okay. The next week, the Bears are in Denver. This is one of the worst losses in the history of the franchise because we were Tim Tebowed. We were Tebowed. You talk about a guy that can't fucking play that's left-handed is Tim Tebow. But because he's religious, the fucking right-wingers act like this guy's won seven Super Bowls, which I'll never understand because overwhelmingly the players in the NFL are overwhelmingly Christian. I would say it's in the 90s. But because Tim Tebow throws this, like forces this shit onto everybody. Oh God, I'm a, like everyone's a Christian, but he has to like get attention with it. There, there were various reports when he was in Denver that he would purposely pray and shit to get attention and that the locker room saw him as a complete and utter phony because he wasn't like that behind closed doors at all. He allegedly broke up Lindsey Vaughn's marriage, Mr. Christian. She was having an affair with him, but yeah, Mr. Morals. Good morals, Tim Tebow. But we have to hear about how he throws this fucking shit. Like he's William Bennett, basically. Remember Bill Bennett? The you know him, right? The right winger. Absolutely. That, that's who he is. It, it, but anyway, so Jimmy Swaggered, whoever you want to call him. Uh, the Bears still have a chance to win. They're they're winning. They're fucking winning. It's like the Denver has no more timeouts. They give the ball to Marion Barber. If he go, if he stays in bounds, the Bears run the clock out. For uh, I don't want to be too rough on Marion Barber. He just died. He literally just died. Literally. But he, for all intents and purposes, in my heart, he died that day in Denver. I hate to say that. As a player, he died. He never played again after that season, by the way. Uh, and he was only like twenty eight. So up. yeah, he he stay he goes out of bounds, stops the clock. The Broncos got the ball back as a result. And, of course, Matt Prater, who would later play great in Detroit, hit a 59-yard field goal to send it to overtime. And in overtime, he hit a 51-yard field goal, and the Bears lose 13-10. to This is arguably the second worst loss in Lovey's career, but other than those Packers, the Packers game or whatever. You are forgetting one other important item of that particular game. What's that? Didn't Marion Barber fumble in the LT? He may have, yeah. It's right here on the screen. There he goes. Oh, oh my God. This is after he stepped out of bounds. This motherfucker. That's how I called the game afterwards. Yeah, and don't forget, he scored early in the game yep. and did some kind of somersault. 
and almost fumbled when he did that. Mm-hmm. He did some kind of showboating, like a flip. Like it looked like something a wrestler would do. <laughs> and he, he flips and nearly fumbles then and kind of gets hurt a little bit when he did it. So it's like just this whole day, man. Just, yeah. Uh, he's, oh, man. God anyway, you, Marion Barber. I hope you're, uh, uh rest in peace. Yeah. All jokes aside. Absolutely. The man has a family and, and people that cared about him. And I'm just goofing off being an asshole here. I, I mean, seriously, no. I mean, his life is much more important than this fucking game, but, uh, uh from a perspective of a player, dude was good with Dallas. Yeah. But he this is not him. his, this is the worst moment of his NFL career. This without question. So Jody has a comment. Hold on. Sure. She says, watch it. Watch what? What's she talking about? Uh, yeah, I think she's talking about faith and stuff. But uh, but with Tim oh, Tebow, okay. I mean, like, I didn't say anything that wasn't true. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, keep in mind here, the Bears, uh, if they just get one more victory in this run, mm-hmm. they make the playoffs still. Because remember, they were 7-3, and three, so they had a good head start on all of this. Mm-hmm. But they lose to Oakland, they lose to KC, they lose to Denver, they lose to Seattle. And during this whole run, Minnesota has just cut McNabb, and he's sitting there available and on TV saying openly, I would love to go to my hometown, I'd love to go to Chicago, I've always wanted to be a Bear, I grew up a Bears fan, and they they just don't sign him. And I know McNabb was at the end of his run there, but God, whatever he had left was better than anything we had, period. Uh, so eventually we're going to sign Josh McCown, who ended up playing well for the Bears, but we didn't know that yet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, But McCown's going to lose to uh, Green Bay, but he beats Minnesota. And so we go from 7-3 and three to 8-8. Eight and eight. But if they'd have just finished 9-7, and seven, the Bears make the playoffs. Two big things happen here. The last week of the season uh, in Minnesota, that's when Major Wright is going to hit Brian Erlacher's knee. Mm. Erlacher's never the same. He tries to play one more year, and he's lost a step because of that knee injury. Yes, you're right. And fucked him up because it was the last week of the year anyway. Remember, he doesn't play in the preseason the next year, trying to do anything he can to play. Much credit to him. And Jerry Angelo is going to be fired after this meltdown. Yeah, it's so sad that, that, that it ended that way. And for the people who say, oh, we should have re-signed Brian Al- Erlacher, I'm, I'm like, did you see that he couldn't run? I mean, he, he could not run. And it was just getting worse and worse every week. There was that following season he had an interception uh, on that bad knee. And he, he returned it for a touchdown only because he had a clear lane and good blocking and so forth. But on that interception, you could clearly see that he was running like a 65-year-old man who had never exercised in his life. It was sad to see. And Jerry Angelo, for all the criticism, all the mistakes that he made as general manager, he delivered us some winners. And it was sad that uh, there, uh, some bad luck. I mean, the Cutler injury in that season was was the biggest blow. But um, if you just get – you sign McNabb, who's right there yearning for the job. Yeah. You can't tell me Donovan doesn't win one one more of those games. Mm-hmm. And if he does, you make the playoffs. And Jay's thumb had already healed to the point they said if they'd have made it to the wild card round, Jay could have played. Because he hurt his thumb, but because of the because of the injury, he had to have surgery wherever the bone was broken. Mm-hmm. It's not like he could tape it up. He had to have the surgery uh, per the doctors. 
So he could have played in the wild card round. It wouldn't have been Caleb Haney, but maybe if Donovan gets you there, you just have Jay as the backup. Who knows? But I'm just saying all things equal, Jay could have played the wild card round. Yeah. Stephen Mee says, <laughs> I'm trying this again. Stephen Mee says it wouldn't have worked. McNabb's arm was a wet noodle, just like Cam Newton would have flapped in Chicago. Too. Well, Steve, but th the thing is, again, you just need one more win. Mm -hmm. Just one more win. You're eight and eight. At, you're starting seven and three. Mm -hmm. And you're going to go the rest of the way. You're going to be eight and eight. So if you could just win one more win and go nine and seven, you make the playoffs. You saw what Green Bay did the year before. You just get in. You can make some noise. Mm -hmm. And the team was on a roll when Jay got hurt. I mean, they had won five straight games. Mm -hmm. it, it's just a very, again, a what if moment that we'll never know in the next season. It, this is going to highlight. We need to hit this real quick before don't set up a part three because uh, this is really going to highlight why Lovey's fired. Because to this day, people say it's not fair. He was 10 and 6. Okay. I like Lovey. Let me just say that. I like Lovey. But highlight this again. Oh, 2004, no playoffs. 2005, you make it. You lose to Carolina. 06, you lose the Super Bowl. So there's two of the first three years in the playoffs. 07, no playoffs. 08, no playoffs. 09, no playoffs. 11, no playoffs. 10, you lose the title game. So at this point, there's five seasons without playoffs, and you're going to have another one here after starting seven and one. So you're going to six of his nine years, he did not make the playoffs with the Bears. Six of nine years. And you go from seven and one and not make it, and this or seven and three and not make it. And this year, we're going to be seven and one and not make it. So with two meltdowns in a row, I mean, in theory, Lovey could have gotten fired because of the one in 2011. But they just fired the GM and kept him. But now another meltdown. That's why he's fired. The context, people just forget that context and say, dude, he was 10 and 6. How could he be fired? How could he be fired? He was 7 and 1 and didn't make the playoffs. That's happened like three times in the history of the league. That's why he was fired, combined with the meltdown from the year before. See, context matters. See, I, I think. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, uh, but I don't know if he should have been fired because of this. Now, you haven't gone through the season, but his final season with the team was it 2012, right? Yeah, we're, we're on it right now. Alshon Jeffrey, the rookie who was drafted in the second round, he breaks his finger on a, a touchdown in <laughs> Jacksonville. That hurt this team so much. This kid was coming on. I'm trying to find his – his stats for that season. Alshon Jeffrey uh, started six games, was targeted 48 times, had 24 receptions, 367 yards, 15.3 yards per reception, three touchdowns. His long was 55. He was getting into a groove with Jay Cutler and him and Brandon Marshall with, with Matt Forte and uh, the tight end at the time was uh, Martellus Bennett, I believe. Or no, no, Kellen Davis. Kellen Davis, yeah. Well, Martellus not, not, comes not, the next year. That's right. Not the not the best tight end, but th th that offense finally, to me, started to show signs of gelling. But when Jeffrey uh, uh, broke that finger, what happened afterwards? What game was that where he broke the finger? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So they had a bye week. They come out and win three straight. They lose two, win one, lose three straight, 
and then win the final two. I just feel like they would have won some more games with Alshon Jeffrey in that lineup. But I, I hope I didn't destroy your thunder with uh, reviewing this 2000. No, no, no. I, I, I want to jump in and try to be quick because Tooch hasn't been on and, um, you know, it's getting late but for me. But uh, opening day against the Colts, it's Andrew Luck's first start. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Andrew Luck's first ever start, and he's outdueled by Jay. 41 to 21 at Soldier Field. The Bears are 1 0. The Green Bay Packers on a Thursday night game. Prime time, of course. That's the famous game where he uh, shoves our favorite left tackle of all time who love McDonald's. You remember him? <laughs> Jamarcus Webb. Jamarcus Webb, exactly. Jay pushes him. If anybody else is doing it, if that's Peyton Manning, if that's Aaron Rodgers, they say, look at that leadership. Look at him getting in his guy's face because he's playing so ineffectively. But Jay does it, and they're like, oh, my God, this guy is such a fucking prick. You see what he's doing to that fat guy right there? I mean, this guy gives up like six sacks single-handedly. Well, do you remember when NFL Films had, uh, I think it was Jay that was, yeah, Jay was mic'd up, and he and Brandon Marshall look over at Webb and say, tie your shoe. And you can't hear what Webb says, but they repeat it again, tie your shoe. And he doesn't tie his shoe. Jay gets down on one knee and ties his shoe for him. And yeah. that to me says, fucking Webb must have been an idiot or something. I don't know what was going on. Maybe he would have social media posts about his McDonald's visits. Yeah, well, because he, he was doing a lot of work for the Ronald McDonald House charity, which is nice. And oh, I, learned, I didn't know that. I learned later that uh, it was his social media manager who was putting those uh, uh, tweets up, which was stupid. You, you can't do that right before the game, especially if you haven't announced to – the Twitter world that it's not really Webb who's sending him that tweet out. So it was, it was a mess. And and I pulled for Webb, you know, because I, I I love pulling for the underdogs. Every underdog on the Chicago Bears, uh, I, I am always rooting for, but there comes a point where I'm saying enough is enough. And Jamarcus Webb, enough was enough pretty early on. <laughs> exactly. So after that meltdown, they come back and they beat the Rams 23-6. to uh, they go to Monday night and beat Dallas 34 to 18. Oh, great. Play. They're three and one. They go to Jacksonville and they win 41 to three. Mm. Again, that's the game where Alshon hurts his, uh, breaks his thumb, catching a touchdown or whatever it was. But yeah, uh, those three wins, Rams 23, six Cowboys, 34, 18 Jaguars, 41, three. I was feeling like this is it, man. We're looking okay, good. until you see this one coming up. Mm -hmm. So they have the bye. They beat Detroit 13, seven Monday night football. A game where Sue has a questionable hit again on Cutler, but okay. Uh, they Carolina, they have a big deficit at that game. I remember it vividly. And Tim Jennings has a pick six to uh, to win the game against uh, Cam Newton late. Let's see how many yards it was. Um, 25 yards. Mm -hmm. Okay, actually, no, we were still down 20 to 19 after the pick six. Uh and the Panthers kicked a field goal, which made it 22 to 20. And Robbie made the game winning kick. So the Tim Jennings didn't actually win the game. It was the last touchdown, though. Yeah. Okay. So the Bears win 23 22. They're six and one. This is where they go to Tennessee, and it just looks great. I mean, they go to Tennessee. Uh, and let's see who, uh, Erlacher, the 46 yard interception return for a touchdown. You brought that up. Mm hmm. Uh, I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, but uh, yeah. I'll throw the replay in a second here. Go ahead. And Jay, Jay throws a monstrous 39-yard touchdown. It's so pretty. 
to Brandon Marshall. And the Bears win in Tennessee 51 to 20. It's it's fucking great. It is fucking great. Uh, it, it's beautiful. That that was the peanut punch game. Yes, it is. That, that is definitely the punch game. Yeah, I mean that that this was one of my all time favorite wins. Yeah, it was nineteen to twenty six, two twenty nine, three touchdowns, no picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember my friend from high school. Her name was Brandy Newman, and after high school, she moved to Tennessee. So she always got the Titan games on TV. Mm-hmm. I hadn't talked to her since like two thousand, mm-hmm. and she sends me a Facebook message and says, "My God, your Bears are going to the Super Bowl this year." She's like, I just watched that game. They're fuck. They're they're going to win the Super Bowl. She actually sent me that message after watching that game, and I was like, "Well, let's pump the brakes." But we are seven and one. It's looking good. I'm salivating. Yeah. Look at that touchdown to Marshall. Love it. All things are. It's looking great. It really was, man. That this was this was such a great game. Fuckers. Look at Peter. So this is again, the second time in the game. <laughs> I love it. So this is where things go bad, though. Um, the next week, we lose a Sunday night game to the Texans, 13-6, to and Jay gets concussed. Mm-hmm. So Jay has to leave. So that means the next month, now they're 7-2. and two. Keep in mind, they're 7-2. They only lost 13-6, but they're 7-2. and two. Comes a Monday night game with Jason Campbell at quarterback for the Bears, mm-hmm. and starting his first game ever, you guessed it, Colin Kaepernick. And every time we play a new quarterback that's never done anything, we make them look like a Hall of Famer. And how good was Colin that night? 16 of 23, 243 yards, two touchdowns. He also ran the ball four times for 10 yards. And and that was the problem. If you're going to fire Lovey Smith after the season, you, you really have to kind of point at this game because – he was thoroughly outcoached by Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Thoroughly. Harbaugh came in with the college game plan, and Lovey never adjusted to it. And it was, like, so painful to watch that first half and how they destroyed the Bears' defense. And it was the lack – Lovey was just a hard-headed coach. He would not adapt. Um, so – I'm softening a little bit on your take on firing love. Yeah, Jason Campbell that night, yes. 14 of 22, 107 yards, one touchdown, two picks, and six sacks. It was awful. They would never get rid of the ball quickly. It was like everybody in the NFL was getting rid of the ball quickly, except Cutler and Campbell and every other Bears quarterback. Holding an eye, holding an eye. Let's look. Let's. Look. I didn't even. I didn't even tell you the score yet. The score was thirty-two to seven. <laughs> so we're seven and three, right? Yeah. Minnesota comes in. We win twenty-eight to ten. We're whew, we're back on board. Eight and three. But then comes the meltdown of meltdowns. This is probably the game that got Lovey fired. Hmm. Seattle at Chicago. Uh, the Bears, this will be Brian Erlacher's final game, by the way. Hmm. Erlacher's going to hurt his hamstring in this game and never return. Mm-hmm. So the Bears are winning late. Let's see what the score is. Uh, Robbie. 17, uh, huh? Now, no, before that, Forte scores. The Bears are winning. 14 to 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with about a minute and a half to go, they kick off 
or, the, or whether they punt or something. So, Seattle gets the ball and has to go 97 yards. It's like the John Elway Cleveland scenario. Mm -hmm. With under two minutes to go, the vaunted Bears defense allows Seattle to go all the way down the field, 97 yards, culminating in, you guessed it, Golden Tate, who always fucks and kills us, who would win a playoff game against us a couple years later in the Cody Parkey game. But uh, 17 to 14 Seattle, but, 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 that, that game, there's 24 seconds to go. They've given up a 97-yard drive. Keep that in mind, right? You keeping that in mind? Yes, I am. All right. But the Bears get the ball back, and Jay throws it down the field about 60 yards, and Brandon Marshall catches it, has the wherewithal to dive out of bounds. Mm -hmm. He dives out of bounds. Robbie kicks a 46-yard field goal with no time left, ties it at 17, sends it to overtime. So what happens next? Well, Seattle gets the, the coin flip, and they get the ball, and they go 80 straight yards down the field and score a touchdown. Uh, once again, Sidney Rice from Russell Wilson. So think about this. They got, they got the ball 97 yards. They score. Mm -hmm. The Bears, man, Jay throws a miracle to Brandon, kicks a field goal, ties it. Then they go 80 yards and score. Two touch, They hadn't scored a touchdown all day, basically. And suddenly now, the Bears can't do anything about it. Yeah, the Bears' defense lost this game, and it was fucking awful. The momentum had shifted. It was it was sad to see that because the Bears had the game won, and when that momentum shifted, it just wasn't meant to be, man. Fucking. And awful. this loss made us eight and four. Mm -hmm. Now keep in mind once more, if they win this game, they make the playoffs, mm -hmm. as you will see. Okay, so they're eight and four. They go to Minnesota, a horrible loss in Minnesota, flat. They lose twenty-one to fourteen. Cutler's Mike that day. Now there's NFL films of that. They're eight and five. Green Bay comes in. Brandon Marshall has a, a heartfelt press conference that week, trying to fire everybody up. It doesn't mean anything. We lose thirty-one to twenty-three. We're now eight and six. We were seven and one. Uh, they go to Arizona and win twenty-eight to thirteen. And we're nine and six, and that sets up week 17. Mm -hmm. Am I echoing or is that um, your end too or just mine? I don't hear it on my end. Okay, good, good. It's just me then. Final game of the season, Chicago at Detroit. We have to win and get some help. But the help, it comes from Green Bay. Mm -hmm. So if Green Bay, Green Bay has to beat Minnesota, and we have to beat Detroit. Well, early on, the 1 o'clock game, the Bears beat Detroit 26-24, we finished the game, the season ten and six, and it comes full circle. Lovey's first game was against the Lions. Final game is against the Lions. But I'm watching the late game, which again is Green Bay at Minnesota. Green Bay hadn't lost to Minnesota seemingly in like a decade, other than the time Brett Favre beat them that one year in '09. And suddenly, Aaron Rodgers is in a shootout with a bum. Like, what's this white the white guy's name that they had up there at quarterback? Let me look at this. He was a huge bust at quarterback for them. Who Let me look at this game. About, this is the Lions game, right? No, about? the Vikings guy. Because again, we need Green Bay to beat Minnesota. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So, uh, but Christian Ponder. Oh, good old Christian Ponder. Christian Ponder has the game of his life, and manages manages to beat the Packers, thirty-seven to thirty-four. And when they kicked the field goal, that eliminated the Bears from the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So inadvertently, the Packers fuck us again. 
Because all they had to do was beat Minnesota, and they go and lay down. They go and lay down. See, what would have happened uh, if if the Bears would have made the playoffs, I think they would have gone to San Francisco and maybe gotten some revenge on Kaepernick because now we got our quarterback with us. But instead, Green Bay gets to host Minnesota the next week, and guess what happens when Green Bay is determined to beat Minnesota? They win like 37-3 to the next week. Let me look at this. Next game. Packers 24, Vikings 10. Okay, it wasn't as bad as I remember. But either way, they they just annihilate Minnesota the next week. Yeah, Minnesota scored real late in the game. They were down 24 to 3. They scored late with Joe Webb. And so that that's it. They go seven and one. They finish 10 and 6. And I've got to take a piss. So you fill it up, Aldo. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm about to fucking die. <laughs> I heard you sipping on that Coca-Cola. <laughs> can you ready to come on in? <laughs> let's sit in there. I'm going to see if we can hear him. Hold on a second. Oh, he closed the door. <laughs> let's listen in. I think we can hear it. You hear it? <laughs> Dude, how are you, my man? Ah, another trip down memory lane with the storyteller, the, the national treasure. He really is, uh, man. We got to give him a, a a Super Bowl season so he can. So many that. things, so many things I've gotten, like the guy catching the ball falling out of the stands, the field goal. Yeah, how about that? that just, I, I must have watched that video, that GIF or whatever, a million times, just laughing. <laughs> So it's just uh, so incredible. That guy, I don't, did he get injured? Fuck. No, because he was interviewed uh, <laughs> m- moments later. He was fine. I, I don't know how you could, because that had to be 15 uh, feet. It, it looked know, like 20 feet. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's a moment you just do not fucking forget. Yeah, the, the Bears should have signed that guy to a, a contract. Bears <laughs> <laughs> should sign a whole bunch of guys that uh, were in the stand. Yeah, and, and Lovey's final season, boy, you know the, the ten and six. I just, I thought, I thought he deserved another chance. I remember feeling after the season, you know, they just wanted to blow it up, and and for mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, that they, they just it was downhill from there. We, I, I think Steve and me or someone said we didn't have a a star jersey. Like that whole time from after Lovey was let go until uh, uh, Khalil Mack was signed. I didn't mm-hmm. have a jersey, a really uh, best-selling jersey until then. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Uh, we need to get that number one jersey selling. All right, so here is the video again of that catch by the fan. Um, it's just amazing. It's considered one of the greatest highlights of all time. Yeah. Field goal. Uh, I think the Packers kicked the field goal. And then this fucking this guy, guy it goes over the net. And so he's got the presence of mind to notice it's going over the net. Yeah. And then he does this. Goes over the wall. <laughs> over the rail. Look at him. He's, he's already it's in the air. amazing. Look at him. All hands, too. <laughs> and then he tucks. He's got the presence of mind to tuck it. <laughs> as he goes to the ground. There should have been some referees back there, you know, signaling. Yeah. You are watching the 95 game there. We are watching that catch from the fan in the stand. Yeah, and 95. Oh, my God, that's so funny. I totally forgot about that. We got to find this guy. His name is – oh, watch this. Uh, Let me uh, put the video back up. His name is on the video here, but uh, he, he became a superstar after that. 
Let me see. Hold on. <laughs> there he is. He's got a ponytail. Security is saying, oh, wait a minute. You can't do that, pal. <laughs> he's hugging, oh, he's hugging Lynn Swan because he's going to be interviewed. <laughs> uh, oh, we got the guy. What's your name? Michael Bantanzas. I'm from the north side of Chicago. I played football at Solid High School. Yeah. Oh, you could have gotten yourself hurt jumping down like that. I played defense, offense. I got great hands. I played football my whole life. I love it, baby. You got a little yeah. football history, too. Oh, yes. Go back to the game. Oh, that is classic. Michael Pantazis. Got, we got to find him, Dan. Yeah, Michael Pentazis. <laughs> Michael, come on the show if you're if you're listening. Please, like, <laughs> I thought the one of the biggest gets you've ever had was the the guy that wears the bear get up that got into the fan hall of fame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th thanks to uh, Greg Braggs, he set us up. Bear man, him. yeah, bear man, yeah. bear man. We could we could call bear man again. He'd be a good interview. I'll tell you what, we we'll book him for fifteen minutes. He'll stay for three hours. Trust me. Yeah, and that, is, that guy's been Alex to Brown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy's been to almost every game we've referenced at Soldier Field. He's oh, a season I, ticket holder. Yeah, I think he's gone to every freaking game. Um, all right, guys, I'm gonna let you guys take it away here well, as I go to the washroom. Well, I'll tell you one more real quick. Go ahead. The Bears PA announcer that just retired that was there from like '82 through 2020. Mm-hmm. I can't think of his name, but the guy that would introduce like yeah, and the Chicago Bears, you know, that guy mm -hmm. at the stadium. That would be a great get to get on there because that dude was there from 82 through like 20. So he was there from Ditka, like through John Fox and into Matt Nagy. Here's former PA announcer. One of his favorite things was, um, uh, is it Jim Rembrandt? No, that's a guy. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Jim uh, Rybrand, Rybant. That's the guy. He was at Soldier Field through, from Ditka through everything. He's been there the last forty years. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that guy up. would be great to interview. Yeah, he'd be fun. All right, I'll be right back, fellas. I understand your pain. I just pissed a. It would have been an entire gallon of like a milk gallon of urine. So, <sighs> <laughs> so what? Westworld, you fell asleep. I huh? wasn't that. Is it boring or were you just? I don't tired? know. No, I think I was tired. I tried it two times. The second episode, I fell asleep both times, but I did go back and finish it the second after I, I fell asleep the second time. But so yeah, season four is it good. It's okay. Like I'm sure some dots will be connected later in the season, but uh, you know how like last season people were saying that season three wasn't as good as the first two. This kind of feels like a continuation of that. This might be the last year. It feels like it's running out of gas. Right. It's not uh, bad. It's not bad though. You and I were talking before uh the show about uh Green Bay Packers possibly passing us for all-time NFL wins. Are you any thoughts uh, on that? Well, the Bears had like a 30 game lead in the series all all-time versus Green Bay and that's been taken care of. So, why wouldn't this be taken care of too? The Bears have just been so bad for the most part the last 30 years except a couple seasons here or there. So I'm not surprised. Plus they've, they've passed us in the all time head to head record now. Yeah. That's what I was alluding to. The bears okay. had, like I said, like a 30 game lead there. Right. And uh, all time NFL wins 783 for the bears franchise and 782 for the Packers franchise. 
which is uh, uh, where they're sitting before the season. Um, a few other things, uh, Dan, let me see. I wanted to talk about uh, the Bears this season have uh, the least expensive offense as far as payroll with 62 million, 32 out of 32 teams. Uh, which team do you think has the most expensive offense? The Rams. It's nope, it's not the Rams. That would be close though, but it's it's the Lions. Can you believe that? 123 million. They probably still won't have a winning record, but wow. Where's Don Burr? Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, Jordan Silvera uh, has the answer there. Yeah. And then Dallas with 122 million, the commanders with 122 million. See, all that money doesn't always buy you wins with Washington and Detroit near the top, you know? Right. But uh, yeah, the Bears trying to go on the cheap with offense this year, 62 million. We'll see what they do. Um, and then, of course, we talked about that. Uh, I wanted uh, during that 2010 season, there was a, was it 2010 or 2011? I think it was 2011. The Khalil Bell was a guy I had totally forgotten. The running back who replaced Marion Barber after that fumble in the in the Denver game. You remember well, Khalil Bell? Yeah, Khalil Bell was on the practice squad at the beginning of the season. Right. Uh, it seems like, yeah, he was playing the same year that Marion was there, if, I, right. if I'm correct. Because the next year we signed Michael Bush. Michael right. Bush was Forte's backup. I think Khalil Bell was, uh, I think maybe Forte was hurt and Bell came off the practice squad. Right. In 2011. I had totally forgotten that guy. Just like, but he had like 160 yards rushing one game against, uh, I forget which. Was it Philly? Seems which, like it was uh, against Philly. Something like that. Yeah. yeah uh, I think it was against Philadelphia, if I remember correctly. Let me see. Was uh, what 2011? I think 11 against Philly. Yeah, 121 against Green Bay. Oh, okay. Well, I'm wrong. Then. Uh, 30 with 35 21 Bears loss to put us a seven and eight. Josh McCown uh, played that those game was on Christmas, games. I think. Yep, Christmas Day. Yep, Sunday, December 25th, 2011. Yeah. I watched that with my friend Daniel Harnsberger. Spoiled our Christmas, Dan. Damn it. Yeah, McCown looked good that game, and then he won the game in Minnesota the next week, which again right. would be Erlacher's final game of being Erlacher because he was major right hurt him. Right. And all those back now. You guys, how much time we got you more for, Mister Dan? I got to go in like five minutes, man. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. I got to go soon thereafter. I got to pack, I'm going on vacation. You guys know that? Yep. <laughs> yeah, you told me. <laughs> Awesome. You guys are going to be doing this solo next week. Uh, John Santucci and Dan Aguirre will be doing uh, the show on their own. They will be bearing their souls. Uh, you guys got anything special planned? I was hoping we could bring on like Aaron or maybe yep. Braggs or Zimmerman. Somebody else can uh, help talk with us. like to have Jordan Silvera on, but I know he's he's busy with his smash hit show, Bears Necessities. Yeah, baby! Woohoo! Fucking great show. Yep. Uh, a leadoff home run with Larry Borum for his show, which I had listened to. I wasn't able to be there at 10 p.m. as I'm an old man who is usually in bed by 10. This Tuesday night, although, keeps me up late, keeps the old man up late. <laughs> I do, don't I? <laughs> 
Uh, but I, I, I did. I, I have seen. Uh, I know jo Jordan Silvera might want to talk some Stranger Things finale next uh, week. But uh, I've been watching the Terminal List, which is a new series on uh, Amazon Prime with Chris, with Pratt. Chris Pratt. Man, it's good. I'm yeah. gonna enjoy it, man. It's like I love this mystery. It's like Seal Team. You know, with uh, you don't know who's uh, betraying who or what's real because he, he he gets concussed in an operation in Syria, mm -hmm. and uh, he doesn't. You don't you don't know whether he's imagining this or it's really happening or whatnot. And you know, it has this kind of like a, what was it Blackwater? Is that the the mercenary? Mm -hmm. it has like a shadowy mercenary group, and then you know the uh, Navy SEAL uh, government shadowy black ops stuff going on. And then, you know, uh, a bunch of other intrigue and, you know, a reporter who's uh, uh, helping him figure out what's going on with this mystery. But I, I, I'm enjoying it. It's got some action. It's got some mystery. Decent cast. I yeah, think, we, were, uh, we were thinking of seeing that because my wife, of course, like most women, are big fans of uh, uh, Chris Pratt. Uh, but uh, we decided to hold off on it. Dan, you seen anything you like? Um. Yeah, I told you I watched that Johnny Depp movie, a Western I'd never heard of called uh, Dead Man. Why? What drove you to watch a Johnny Depp movie? Well, I like Depp anyway. It has nothing to do with like his recent trial or anything, especially yeah, some of the movies from the 90s uh, that I enjoyed. Like, I love Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas mm -hmm. a lot, um, but it was on TCM. Uh, so I was like, man, I never even heard of this. Yeah, I and I, I know my aunt told me in Florida about a movie that I've never seen with he and Marlon Brando together in it mm -hmm. called Don Juan something. Oh, yeah. Big Don, Don Juan DeMarco. Yeah. She said that she thought it was great and advised me to watch it, but I just haven't, I haven't seen it on anything. Mm. Yeah. The Western was good. I'm not a Western guy, but I, I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. I dug it. You had uh, a young Billy Bob Thornton in it and, um, Gabriel Byrne and mm -hmm. Lance Hendrickson did a lot of B eighties movies. He was actually in the Terminator. He was one of the cops that were killed. Yeah. He was in a vampire film that I like called uh, near dark. The TCM shows a lot. Now I used to watch on HBO in like 87, 88, that era. Uh, it was, it was a cool movie, man. Well, it's funny that you watched the Western because I too watched the Western and uh, it's Tom Hanks the only Western that he's done in his career, and it's called The News of the World, and I loved it. It's a story of a former Confederate sergeant who now has a job at post-Civil War where he goes from town to town reading the news to townspeople to inform them. Uh, as he says at one of the meetings, I know you folks are busy working on your fields and doing your chores and so forth. So I'm here to share with you news from around the world from the newspapers I've picked up from town to town. And he's basically, you know, the first Walter Cronkite, first anchor person. And uh, on one uh, travel, he sees that this little girl has been uh, abandoned because some Indians have uh, killed somebody who was escorting her somewhere. So he it tries to get the girl to safety and finds out that he's the one that uh, has to t try to find a home for her. So during those travels, they go through all these adventures. A little girl is 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 a, a is a German girl who was abducted by Indians. So she only speaks the language of the Native Americans. I shouldn't be saying Native Americans instead of Indians, but anyway. Um, and it's a really really 
cleverly done story with ramifications of what is going on uh, in uh, society today. And so, like, if if you're looking for these illusions, so it's like an allegory against fake news. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that, and I hope you guys watch it because I think you will enjoy it. I got one more thing, and I got to go. Got it. Uh, first thing, or actually two things, but they'll be real quick. I actually watched another film that had Billy Bob Thornton in it that I somehow missed and never knew about, or I've forgotten about it, from 98 with Bill Paxton called... Um, a simple plan. I love that movie. Yeah, it was so good. I was like, where was I at from in, in when this was out? But my second thing last week, you asked me because, uh, Jody had, uh, sent some good messages about me last week mm -hmm. and you asked me if I'd ever had sex with her. And I said, no, I'd never done anything dirty with her. Well, that has ended. <laughs> so Whoa. Yeah, I going to say that I, uh, had, um, uh, yeah, we had, uh, it was a very, very good experience Okay, with Jody. You see, I think she's super fucking hot and she's super good, man. That's, it was good. It was great. So uh, she's a Cowboys fan. So do you fantasize that you're having sex with a Cowboys cheerleader? No, not at all. Like, I don't have to fantasize. I can just look at her. I'm turned on by her. So, but, uh, furthermore, at least she kind of, you know, won't hate football, you know, because, uh, she's going to be around me enough. I hope she's going to be watching some bears games and you know, I will convert her. Well, let's convert her quickly because, uh, and by the way, Jody, you're welcome to come on the show, whether it's next week, but I'd love it if you came on the show when I'm here. So that way I could hit on you too. <laughs> um, and she's, she's, uh, she's a fun lady. She's smart. Like I said, a good looking. Well, and, wait. uh, if I could be vulgar, uh, she has a, a damn good vagina. Damn. <laughs> Vice grip. It was, it was, uh, as wet as you would, you would want it. That's all I can say. It was like, uh, if I had my water bed in my youth burst, mm -hmm. it might've been comparable to the feeling of her fantastic vagina. Wow. Like a Lake Michigan vagina. Huh? There you go. She was <laughs> incredible. Oh, uh, you have made my night brother. <laughs> and Jody, I can't wait. my night. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, unfortunately, I have to go to nine one one. And uh, that, light bulb was, that light bulb was really going fast for every second. Anyway, you get out of here and go save some lives. Bro. Well, enjoy your vacation. Thank you very much. I'll be in touch before I leave. <laughs> All right. Speak to you soon. All right. I'll see you next week, Danny. All right. We'll be here. That is Dan Aguirre, the one and only Dan Aguirre. Th I thought that light bulb was going to explode. <laughs> it's not the same thing, man. <laughs> Let me get my profile shot out of here. <laughs> uh, uh, Jody, is Jody going to be on the show with you next week? You should. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I would, I'll, Jody, come on the show. We'll get uh, get you hooked up. I'll send, send Dan the link. Uh, mm -hmm. to join us for a short round. Uh, yeah, man, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I don't want to. I just want to go another ten minutes or so because yeah, I too. You gotta go. The, uh, yeah. Are, are you Are you gonna hook up with Jordan Silvera in San Diego? Any? Well, Jordan sent me his his address, and I okay. still haven't had time to kind of figure out how far is that. Can we make a drive? Can we have uh, lunch or dinner or even breakfast or whatever? So I, I'm uh, hopefully going to do that tomorrow. Nice. Before taking off, and then. Uh, so I'll be in touch with him, but I'd that, love to meet him and his lovely bride. The terminal list is is filmed in San Diego. 
Is that right? Yeah, the uh, uh, Coronado Naval Base. Mm-hmm. Wow. On, yeah. There is. Um, I'm trying to think. There was another big motion picture film to San Diego recently. Maybe not recently, but it was just a, a big blockbuster hit. And I'm trying to remember what it was. But uh, by the way, uh, Michael Bay. Everybody knows Michael Bay, especially sure. if you've got a dick, right? Um, he makes the best action movies around. Well, I happened to watch a movie called Ambulance, and as the title, uh, goes, it's as in my the, queue. Yeah, it's as the credits are going on. I say directed by Michael Bay. I go, oh shit! It's uh, Jake I, Gyllenhaal. Yes, I gotta tell you, I fucking love that uh, action movie. Holy yeah. shit! Nice. Michael Bay is just he's 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 a master at moving camera shots and action and beautifully choreographed action movies. I mean, if if I was going to nominate a director to to win an award for best action movies, Michael Bay has to be considered among them. I know some of his movies aren't particularly popular with critics, you know, stories sometimes a week. But in terms of action, this guy knows what the fuck he is doing. And this movie, Ambulance, man, had me on the edge of my seat. Jake Gyllenhaal, I forgot the other actor's name, but it's a great cast. They work really well together. Uh, this story is about a heist that goes wrong. And so the escape vehicle uh, is not available to the people committing the heist. And so they hijack a, an ambulance, which just so happens to have in the ambulance a cop that they shot during during the heist that went wrong and so it uh it's a little bit you know far-fetched in, in, in certain areas but from an action standpoint you're gonna love it steven me says ambulance is dog shit thank you steven for fauci for me why did why didn't you like it it's a good action movie steven likes these fucking uh uh he hates uh, everything. He 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 likes these yeah, European movies with uh, no dialogue and uh, soft filter shots and people prancing in the woods and stuff. Jody <laughs> 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 uh, says she's going to wait on me for her appearance to the show. Oh, wow. I might have to just skip my trip then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, uh, to ch- please give it a look, and then uh, we can uh, debate with Stephen. Stephen, yeah. you have to come on the show and talk movies with us. You're more than welcome. Uh, we can do that sometime uh, later this month or early next month. There you go. What's going on, Mister Teach? Well, I've been taking a, a break from sports handicapping, but Anthony is freaking red hot. Mm-hmm. He can't lose, man. If baseball. Oh. So nice. I'm, just, I'm just like riding his best plays every day, and and, a, and, I'll, and his, he has a parlay challenge. If you follow mm-hmm. uh, Anthony's Pound It Sports uh, uh, on Twitter, and uh, he has a parlay challenge where you you know for ten dollars you get his parlay. It's usually around plus one thousand. He's hit like five out of his last six mm-hmm. on that. So you know, wow. like if you played a hundred bucks, that's winning a thousand. So uh, uh, he's been red hot. Uh, I played three of his plays tonight, and all of them hit. So uh, I'm very happy. I was kind of, I was, I was kind of checking the scores a little bit there during the game. But, Are you uh, looking up on the uh, control here? I was like, yes, there's another one. Boom, boom, boom. So I, tell, I, people, might... uh, tell people where they can follow him on Twitter at Pounded Sports. Pounded Sports. Pounded Pounded Sports because his philosophy is, you know, he he's more of a he's more of a straight wager guy when he. 
you know, uh, he has a play that he really likes, you know, he's telling me to drop 10 units on it, you know, mm-hmm. or 20 units. And tonight he had a couple five unit plays. So for him, one unit is a hundred bucks. He, he's a bit more of a high roller than me, but mm-hmm. man, Anthony, uh, well, hopefully we get him on here doing the show on Barham network. Yeah. That's, that's Anthony right there. He's from Chicago. He's a Cubs fan. He's a huge bears fan. Um, if you follow him, you want to sign up. Uh, he does a challenge every day. If you, if he loses and you lose, you're going to get a free month of uh, a subscription. Mm-hmm. And he's always available by text. You can text him. You know, he's got. Uh, he always takes care of his subscribers with great advice. And man, he, I, to me, he's the best out there right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, I mean, uh, there's lots of guys out there. Uh, you know that are that are good as well. But Anthony's really can see he's great at baseball. You know, I suck at baseball. I just I always get it wrong for some reason. I don't know. Oh, yeah, a, lot of he, people, a lot of people suck at baseball right now. It is tough to bet on baseball, but he's got a it, good streak going. Huh? He he is red hot right now, man. He's had a he's had a he's had a couple like ten and one days. Uh, today I, I'd have to go back and look at his picks, but he might have he might have had another ten win day. But uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I want to get him to do some maximum edge sports wagering talk on Barroom Network, and he he'll talk Bears too. It's just he's East Coast, so he, he's uh he's he's also in bed early. You know, he's up early and he's in bed early. You know, cat uh, he's handicaps uh, baseball games. And, uh, follow him on Twitter. Great follow too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I um, Stephen Me says that uh, Michael Bay is the Matt Nagy of movie directing. He says it's an awful movie. They used a drone for every shot. It is true that there was a lot of drone. There's a lot of moving camera stuff. So yeah, if you're not into that, but I thought it, I thought it added to the tension of the film. I thought it was a a, a great. I love directors who are just trying to do different things with the cameras. You know, Scorsese. You look at a movie like Scorsese's Cape Fear. Do you remember Cape Fear with Nick Nolte? Love, love that movie. Isn't that a great movie? He does some really wonderful things with the camera where it's swish panning here, swish panning there, doing this for real simple stuff too, you know? And um, some some of the critics didn't like it, but I really enjoyed it. Those things are difficult to do because it's got to be totally choreographed to the T when the camera moves here, the actors got to move there and stuff. And Scorsese does it really well. Uh, Michael Bay. I, I, I have not seen, frankly, I've not seen a lot of Michael Bay movies because he did the transformer movies, right? Tucci? Yep. Trans. That's what I was going to say. He's known for transformers. Yeah, And I really, I don't think I, I, I saw the first one. And the only thing I remember f- uh, from that is when the actress was bending over, she was wearing short shorts and she was bending over Megan Fox, Megan Fox. And, and there was a beautiful, beautiful job of her tush. Uh, a beautiful shot of her tush. That's the only thing I remember. And then it was a bunch of fucking robots moving around. I, I don't, I, I didn't care for it so much, but some of the other things that he has done, didn't he do that one with, with the uh, Nicholas cage, uh, uh, an air on an airplane. I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the title where a bunch of uh, inmates are on air on air. A fucking brilliant action f- film. Yeah. That's yeah, a classic. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it, it's not fucking art like uh, fucking James Ivory <laughs> movies uh, or any of that stuff. But uh, I thought it was good. Anyways. Uh, yeah. You know, I, what? I, I did see a movie. I've been trying to think. I, I did see a movie. It's called Hustle. 
that's with uh, Adam uh, Adam Sandler. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. A Adam Sandler. And yeah. He's a scout for the 76ers. What'd Man, it's, it's really good. I, I love, Adam Sandler has become a really good actor. He really you know, has. He, he's turned into like, you know, in his middle age. I think he's probably about my age. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's a year or two older than me. But uh, mm -hmm. as he gets into his 50s to late 50s, he's become a little more introspective. You know, mm -hmm. uh, a little more uh, focused on... Uh, the, the, the subtleties of life yes. in his uh, in his characters and in his dialogues and in his movies he chooses. But right. the hustle's great, man. It has uh, I forget, an actual uh, actual uh, NBA player, actual yeah. former NBA player from Spain, uh, Juan Juancho uh, something, yeah, Juancho uh, something Sanchez, Carmen Sanchez or something like that. I don't know his name, is. but he, he discovers this guy who's like hustling uh, basketball on the streets in. Uh, um, uh, uh, I forget one. Uh, it's like a beach town in 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 uh, in Spain, and you know the kid's like twenty two. You know it's like his last year to be eligible for the draft. You know, and there's fine. There's a there's tons of cameos from NBA former NBA players. You know, and uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Ben Foster is in it. He's like uh, the bad guy kind of. Uh, the, the Robert Duvall is the owner of the 76ers. Mm -hmm. And he like passes away in it, and his son becomes the the uh, owner. And you know him and and Adam Sandler, you know, butt heads. He never trusts Adam Sandler's scouting, you know. Uh, but it's great, man. Uh, uh, Queen, La Queen Latifah plays uh, Adam Sandler's wife. Oh, cool. Uh, they have a really great. They were both college athletes at Temple. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, man, that's great. Uh, it, if you like sports movies, man. Uh, you don't, you know, we, it's so rare that we get a good sports movie these days. A smart one, yeah, uh, yeah, just a good one that makes you feel good. It's got a great story. It's got some some competition and stuff like that. But the hustle, it's called Hustle, and it's on uh, Netflix. I would definitely check really that good. out. Yeah, Sandler went through a little bit of a change when he did Punch Drunk Love with P.T. Anderson, who's one of my favorite yeah. filmmakers, although that's my least favorite of the Anderson movies. But after that, and it was still good, though. Yeah, yeah, it was. It definitely. Um, it, it, and he continued to do his comedy movies that he he, he brings out. And the cast is all friends of his. And he casts yeah. with Hot Chicks, Salma Hayek and stuff. But, you know, Chris Rock and all his buddies are in the movie. So he has fun with those. But then he occasionally does the hustle. There was one that he did a, two or three years ago where he played a, a diamond. It had something to do with diamonds. I haven't seen it, but I heard. Yeah, that that's really good, too. Um, I haven't seen yeah, it. What the, what's that one called? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a... Uh, he he's a uh, uh, owns a, a a a diamond business, okay, jewelry business uh, in New York, and he's he's a gambler's in debt to some uh, uh, heavies, you know. Uh, God damn, what was the name of that movie? Yeah, I, I think I've That's got it. Uh, something uncut gems. Uncut gems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to see that. So. That's really good too. It's kind of a sports movie, also, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, it has a little bit of that, uh, uh, you know, uh, gambling crime noir. Uh, element to it. Mm -hmm. I love noir yeah. movies, man. I really do. I, I saw the card counter as you recommended. Yep. And I, uh, and we talked about that last week. I, I forgot to ask you about the wrapped furniture. Like, what do you think was behind all that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Willem, Willem Dafoe taught him that. Did that like rub <laughs> off on him? You know, were they like a germaphobes? You know. <laughs> Perhaps I don't know. I I, I didn't quite figure that out. There, that's a movie that I'd love to see a second time. I, yeah. And uh, because there's I, I, 
I think it's one of those movies where you miss certain things or it's just provocative and it's, it, it, you can look at it so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, Even my yeah. wife liked Hustle. You know, uh, she was enjoying the show. She loved the kid who plays uh, Bo Cruz, is a Spanish kid. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like ripped. You know, and he's a good, he's a decent basketball player, and he's like all these cool tattoos and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm sure it was eye candy for her. You know, because uh, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, <laughs> I ain't getting any younger. <laughs> you, you and I, our candy days are over. <laughs> our ca candy days behind us. <laughs> We're more like. Uh... <laughs> Like sour tarts that have been around in the drawer for sour, about six years. Sour Patch Seniors. <laughs> That's right. Uh, All right, dudes, why don't you let people know where they can follow you on that Twitter machine? Yep, at John Santucci, VIP, and you know I'll be getting back into handicapping football and basketball once uh, once those come around. About a month. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, baseball, like I said, I don't want to just give out picks, man. Anthony do that, man. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, if you want to, if well, you want to win, man, he's just red hot right now. Well, dude, and you've, you've told me how hard you worked, you know, to uh, research these picks. You're not picking them out of your ass. And, nope. uh, so it's a lot of hard work. And then when, when, you know, it doesn't pan out the way you, you think it gets a little, you know, fuck. Uh, so it's good yeah, that yeah. you take a little break from it. And with yep. football, college football, and college basketball, and pro football coming, that's where you're going to yeah. make that money, man. So, and, you know, I, I was just, uh, I, I started with, I was like, I'm taking a break. I'm not going to spend any more money. You know, I put $10 in my DraftKings account and I followed Anthony on his hot streak. I, I got like 200 bucks in there now for just starting with 10 bucks. <laughs> you know, I've just been playing like one of his top plays every day. You know, today I played three of his plays because I like the plays a lot. You know, he mm -hmm. uh, for that one I was three and zero. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, if you man, if if you're thinking about doing some DraftKings, DraftKings has a lot of good promos and stuff. Mike, today I think if you if you if you uh, uh, lost a lost at one of your bets, you got a free uh, uh, you know uh, bet, if you play bet ten bucks and you lost, you get a free you get ten dollar bet. You know, if you lost, or if uh, one of them, if, if you lost your parlay, you'd get a fifty percent bonus on a single play, mm -hmm. a single wager. So, oh, cool. But yeah, they have all sorts of good promos. That's why I like DraftKings the best. Uh, FanDuel's okay, but uh, you know, uh, baseball for me is just too tough to handicap. You got to give this Ben Affleck movie a shot. Steven's been yeah. for it the last two, three weeks. I, I definitely yeah. will do that because that's a sports movie. And like John said, is there far and few between that, that are yeah. good ones. The way back. Yeah. So, uh, and I like Affleck. I think he's a good actor. He's yeah. Some career mistakes, but, um, and I just want to let people know that I'm going away for a couple of weeks, maybe three. I want to take a, a nice long break before the NFL season starts because it's this NFL season at the Barroom Network is going to be like any other that we've had. We've been around now for 2014 was when the website went up. Our podcast started in 2015. So seven years of podcasting, eight years of having some visibility covering football, in particular the Chicago Bears. But this season, we are planning so many cool things and lots of people involved. And so I want to be as fresh as possible to go through that 17-game uh, season 
uh, and have my hands on some special projects and stuff. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. And of course, you got Jordan now on board, J Jordan Silvera with his Bare Necessities, which is a big hit. The opening episode, as Tooch was talking about earlier, uh, he's going to focus on so many interesting things. We've got Buffon 55 coming back for their sixth year. Well, I, I don't want to go through the whole list of shows, and, and, and I will do that with some promotions on Twitter and Facebook, but I'm just excited about this football season. But first, I need a break. I need a break, and uh, and I want to get geared up, and so I'm really looking forward to spending some time with my wife. And then I'm going to be a grandfather uh, in uh, August, and so I want to also uh, be prepared for that and, and make sure I have time to – What a blessing. Yeah, you ain't kidding, brother. I, I am so happy about that. That's the, that's what I'm most excited about is my my daughter Kayla is having her first baby. It's going to be a boy, Jackson Ray, J-A-X-O-N, Ray. My middle name is Ray. She has honored me by naming her uh, firstborn uh, by my middle name. So, um, so I'm super excited about that. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, PJ. Thank you, everyone else. Uh, so I, I'm I'm in a really good place right now. I want to keep it going. I want to get my mind off of all the political bullshit that sometimes I worry too much about. And I'm going to have a great time. And But you guys are in good hands next week with the Tooch and Dan Aguirre uh, and, and uh, Jordan on Thursday night. Uh, and, you know, we've got plenty of stuff uh, going on while, while I'm away. And so hopefully you will continue to tune into the Barroom Network and let people know what we're doing here and uh, give us a thumbs up and a like and all that crappy shit. So, Tooch, uh, why don't you uh, give a, a nice wet kiss to Nomad and Jordan? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love the barflies. Yep. <laughs> They're the best. They yeah. are the best. All right, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks or so. And uh, But make sure you turn in, tune in next week with Tooch and Dan. I might do a, gra a special graphic, uh, Tooch and Dan bear their souls. I, I might, I might do that. I'll, I'll do that on the plane ride while, because it's a four-hour plane ride. So I'll do a graphic for you guys. I'll, uh, I'll have some material and I'll get try and line up some good guests. You know, I got some connections and I'll, I'll you know, Jordan love to have Jordan on talking some bears. Uh, got some. Awesome. These rookies keep popping up. I got to get Jordan's opinion on some of these guys. There was a, something Albright today was another guy that popped up. Yeah. He's uh, an interesting candidate. A linebacker, yeah. Yeah, a oh, uh, linebacker, huh? Albrecht yeah. is a linebacker? Okay. So anyway, uh, you guys will do that next week while I'll be sipping margaritas by the swimming pool. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomfe. Bear down. <laughs>